Fire Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the convo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up hey. uh, Rising from the ashes What's up, Fire Tribe? This is Danny Renaki Dan So this month we are unable to do a Tribal Council bonfire Being that Roman is in Florida And we had a guest cancellation And we are doing ancient america into two months instead of one so this episode is going to be two episodes from the patreon one with a roman and one with myself for our solo shows and we're we both interview slick dissident gabe um and we talk about america and territories and uh, some very interesting things come about in these. So we thought we'd share them with you from the Patreon. Uh, so if you're not part of the Patreon, go check these episodes out. Go check out all the other episodes we have on there. We have probably about 20, I think, um, more episodes than subscribers. So go subscribe. It's three bucks a month. And check out these episodes. Hope you guys like them. And wake up. Oh, wait. Let me make sure. Hey, everybody. Um, welcome to Rising from the Ashes, expanded uh, understanding Patreon plus member version. 
Uh, we are chilling today. Oh, sweet Lord. We have a well-groomed weaver of the realm, a rider of the dark night, a swimmer in the thick, the twilight language firework, a fresh breath of fresh air in the conspiracy world. My man, Slick Dissident Gabe, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful, homie. Thank you so much for having me again. This is going to be big fun, big, big fun. Yes. So for you, for you that don't know out there, um, Gabe is very prevalent in the podcast realm uh, within the, the weaving realm. There's a group called Weaving Spiders. Welcome. Uh, and they go deep. And Gabe is, I mean... As far as I know, I mean, he's on the forefront of the grounding crew of that of that crew. Is that is that so? Yeah, man, those guys took me on, and uh, ever since the first night, it's been a an ongoing love affair. <laughs> we're just get, getting down every Saturday, all night long. We weave from uh, Saturdays uh, all the way into Sunday mornings, and uh, it it never it never ceases to. Uh, get synchro mystic and very uh i don't want to say weird because at this point it would be weird if it didn't get weird mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah almost every week you know something that in somebody's life is uh reflected in somebody else's life and then this we look up this you know get the resources off the internet next thing you know we're looking at the mysteries of the universe and uh <laughs> it's it's great it's great. And it takes me all week to process it. Sometimes I'll have to make videos yeah. to be like, this is the connection we made. And this is what it means in relation to my work. And now it's like, we're all sucking on this grand cosmic teat of the, of the grand Sophia in the sky. Oh, the, yeah. The, the, the generating gnosis of, of, continuous motion it's insane <laughs> i was lucky enough to join in on one and it was quite a blast i'm i'm hoping to free up on on one of these wednesdays with you guys so i can get a part of the the reading one because i i've just been buying so many books so many books and i kind of i love reading out loud and so you guys do um a really cool concept where it's like somebody reads out loud uh, and then everybody else does art while one person's reading. And so you're like just neurons just firing blast blast. And then you have people chatting in live and it's, it's like, it's perfect. It's a beautiful community. I, I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, I wish I tuned in more because I think the discoveries that are happening within that um, should be documented more than just video. Uh, like if there was like a text to, you know, like a speech to text thing that we could run it through. And then like some, I don't know, I, I maybe like a weaving spiders book at some point, you know, oh, like, man, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, what do we get? Like, you know, we're, we're discovering so much occult shit that like, it's, you know, it's, it's a very important. And so I, I would hope that, uh, you know, at some point within the next couple of years, we can get like some of the deep details and discoveries and epiphanies people have had written down in some sort of novelistic form, emation of sorts. That's a, that's a great idea. I love that idea. And, you know, uh, having me on with Juan and Juan the other day, man, mm. that was great. We, I made some connections there that I'm actually, I got them on the plate for tonight. I'm going to go bring it to the spiders and we're going to like, 
delve in on some of uh, that HP uh, Lovecraft connection that he put in for me. Cause I was seeing, you know, I was seeing these, pu- these pieces of the puzzle and they were fit together, but he gave me a perimeter. He gave me a corner piece. And now I know what direction to orient the puzzle now. Oh, so that was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was, was that was really great. There was something that was because it was this full moon energy that was bringing us together. You know, there was like, it was, you know, we talked about it in the episode, which um, we'll send you the MP3. He just finished editing it last night. So he's going to send it over. And, um, you know, I think that was a great time. I just, I'm so fucking, I, I'm blessed every day, dude, in this realm, in the podcast realm. Like this is all meant to be like, this is all meant to fucking be. I don't even know how we got here, but man, we fucking got here. Yeah, man. Yeah, buddy. You know, I found something out amazing, uh, maybe two months back that Sir Francis Bacon had this prophecy. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, it's it's summarized in a book that I have in the basement, but I'll just off the top of my head, I'll wing it. He said that he believed that eventually there would be a. That America, the new Atlantis, America would be the beginning of a new horizon of philosopher masters and that people would eventually um, uh, do exchange by with the commodity of information that information would become the commodity and uh, when I read that and I haven't read it in his words I read somebody else's synopsis of his words but when I read that I was thinking is that what the Celestine prophecies were all about? Were the Celestine prophecies setting people up to like uh, have an economy of information and wisdom and insight as opposed to money? You know, that seems to be where things are kind of building towards. I, I mean, it, and, and also in the same sense, it's kind of a way to get money or it is kind of a part of the system, you know, how much Mm -hmm. time and energy are you spending on studying the thing? Like if you go, you know, we like, I I do talk shit on university and um, you know, like the, the, the system that we have, cause it's very broken and busted. Um, But you can go and, and spend time at these things and get credited for your, the knowledge that, you know, and then you go out into society and you spread that back around and yet there's a money life source attached to it or, or a financial monetary life source attached to it. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of like that. And that's super fascinating. And I, I would like to think that, yes, in an Atlantean type of like free energy society, we would be going off of more of a vibrational pull towards, you know, like towards building the energy because that's what i feel like our ancestors um were doing you know these that that ancient culture in the antediluvian world you know they were they were accessing this information at every age and every instance there's always a cult there's always a cult so you go far back to the 10th century the 9th century there are people studying occult then so as far back as you go until antediluvian time period and like that it so it's just it's, it's fucking mind-blowing anyways i want to it's a good time I, to be alive i got it it is it is i'm actually grateful even though earlier today i was saying uh wouldn't it be cool as fuck to be like the same age we are right now in 1995 or six 
you know that would be cool yeah yeah, yeah there's just this Go back, <laughs> like like biff with the uh with the sports almanac yeah. call all the shots <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that'd be fucking nice when i have to work but um <laughs> working off that working off that what, what do you hey what i've never asked you what do you do for work brother uh, I'm generally a furniture mover. Uh, nice. But uh, business really fell off the train oh, about a year ago. And, and so uh, right now I'm uh, looking for something else. I'm probably, you know, I'm probably going to get a, a driving, a, like a driving career. Um, maybe not so much like a semi truck, but I think uh, maybe RVs. There's a big industry where I'm at to like bring RVs out west. And then fly home. No and, shit. Uh, that, yeah, that would be good. I'll be like uh, Richie from Boston, just <laughs> podcasting with my phone in my car, talking smack. And uh, yeah, that might be where I end up going. But uh, for right now, I got a lot of damage control to do. I got a light uh, driver's license. I got to salvage and get back and <laughs> plug back into the system. You know. Yeah, I'm right. I'm, I'm literally right there with you. I'm in that transitional point in my life as well, where I'm having to <clears throat> kind of plug back into society. I'm I'm moving off of the uh, the farm soon in, in May, and uh, you know I'm gonna have to. I'm going back into society. So yeah, it's it really is a thing. You know, you can you can plug out, and what they're what they're trying to do, like agenda wise, with California is they really are trying to weed out poor people of California. It's no joke. It's, I, I think the entire West Coast, the general plan is to basically uh, get everybody out of the West Coast. That isn't a part of the the full swing technocratic takeover. Um, do you remember that book series, um, Man in the High Castle? Uh, yes, I've, I've not read it and it's been recommended to me. It's on my list for sure. So conceptually, it's fucking brilliant, and I love it. Um, and they made a show about it. I haven't watched the show, but uh, it's basically if the Axis powers have won the World War II, right? So if Germany, Nazis, and Japan had won the World War II, and America is essentially broken up into the West Coast is germany not nazi germany and the east coast is japan and the middle is like these these you know lawless lands and so they push everybody towards the middle wow. that's not part of like you know that whole regime and uh quite a, quite a, quite an interesting uh you know uh concept and then you see what's happening in today's agenda with like <laughs> california yeah. and shit so you're like whoa <laughs> yeah that kind of that kind of smart that's a uh... That's really poignant. Very, very. Yeah. Well, well, okay, let's get into it, dude. You um, have a fucking awesome, awesome YouTube channel. And everyone (laughs) that's going to go and start subscribing or watching after this, because you have zero choice. There is no inevitable, (laughs) like you will go and subscribe after this conversation. I guarantee you. It's called Slick Dissident. And your research is one of a kind um, that I've I, I found. Um, I, I can only really compare it to like Michael Wan or Michelle Gibson, uh, but it's called Tarot Tories. And there it is with the Twilight language, dude. He's fucking brilliant with Twilight language. Can you tell us <laughs> the birth of Tarot Tories, the story of how you got there, what it is, um, yeah. and, and kind of the evolution to where you got right now? 
Yeah, for sure. So, um, it for me, it started with realizing that um, 22 is a has been a big number in numerology all these years, and then I found out that there are 22 cards in the major arcana of tarot. And I was like, okay, that's, that's incredibly significant. So I just kind of put that feather in my cap and held onto it. And then I, uh, once I started my channel, the thing that really kicked it off was realizing that there are also 22 Avengers movies. And so all I did was I went online in my little notebook and I wrote down all the Avengers movies and I put them in chronological order according to the Avengers universe. But then I also put their release date. So the chronology of reality for their release date also. And all this crazy numerology started to pop up as I'm looking at these dates and I'm realizing these guys are some Kabbalistic mofos to the max. (laughs) And it all started to make sense when I took the 22 uh, major arcana cards, um, which are a standard. Uh, That's something that I'm really into. I take a thing that is a standard, like the alphabet, and I overlap it with like an alchemical process Mm -hmm. or uh, in because standards never change. And it's a great place to hide, uh, to preserve information. So, yeah, I basically one of my earliest uh, series that I did was the Avengers movies, all 22 lined up with the 22 cards of the major arcana. And it's a one to one match. I'm quite convinced uh, that I've got that I've got almost all of them right. Somebody might convince me that I got one wrong, but getting 21 out of 22, I guess 20 out of 22 uh, pretty spot on is very convincing that these guys are dabbling in occult methodologies uh, to the utmost. And just a quick footnote: I also I believe that um, Carl Jung is mm-hmm. a patron saint of the sac- secret societies. I think he is uh, his work, whether he knew about it or not, they have taken his work. So not to incriminate or put any kind of light on him. They've taken his information and his technology and they've incorporated it into what they do in Hollywood in a major way. And just to substantiate that a little further, I'm still looking for this number, but apparently Alan Dulles uh, had Carl Jung as an advisor and gave him a psychological profile on some of the lead soldiers of the Nazi regime. And so Carl Jung gave a psychological profile to Alan Dulles on, on Hitler and all his boys. And then Carl Jung got an agent number. And I think, I think his agent number was 447. And I would love for somebody to get back to me and confirm or deny that because I'm having a hard time digging that little factoid up. But I'm pretty sure Carl Jung worked for Alan Dulles, uh, head of the CIA back in those days. What's the um? And Alan Dulles had his fingers in so many goddamn pots that, like, if you've done any of the work, you you'll see his name pop up everywhere. Um, but what's the significance with four four seven? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, it's like uh, you know, John D was 007 to the Queen, mm. and so for some reason, Carl Young gets to be four four seven for Alan Dulles. It's this weird spy thing, and you'll notice it's always in threes. You know, mm-hmm. we got these three-letter alphabet agencies, the FBI, the CIA. It's always in threes. They love those threes. Uh, 
but yeah, Carl Young, he got brought into the fold. Triangles, Triangle. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you structurally it. structurally important symbol, and so yeah, there's 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 deep cabalistic understandings there. <laughs> yeah, man. Gematria breaks my fucking brain. Um, it makes sense when people uh uh puke it on me, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Say all the numbers and things. It's incredibly satisfying <laughs> to hear. But every time. I start to fucking go into it. I'm just like, nope, go back, go back. I'm a very, uh, I'm a very uh, visual. Like, I gotta see it, understand it, and dive in. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, you fucking got uh, a very, very um, broad range of of this understanding. And uh, and so you started with the Avengers movies. That fucking probably blew your cat back. What was one of the most fascinating lineups that you kind of got from that original takeaway? Oh man, you give me goosebumps <laughs> with that question. I'm I'm still working. I'm still digging because uh, turns out that just correlating them to the cards is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, I'm uh, doing a series over on uh, Interverse with Chance Garden and uh, and also Gordy Hamill, our our buddy mm -hmm. Gordy Two Shoes from the Weaving Spiders. We're uh, collaborating once a month and we're decoding movies, kind of like we did this week with the Transformers. And um, and I'll just give a little taste. I'll give a little teaser to answer your question. I am discovering that the Avengers characters are based on historical personalities. And I'll give you, uh, I don't want to tip my hand too much, but the best and most juicy one that I have, I'm so convinced. I think that Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Uh-oh correspond very heavily with Carl Jung in his daemon, his spirit guide, whose name was Philemon. Philemon. Philemon was Carl Jung's daemon, higher, his higher self, his superhero self. And um, it turns out there are many characters throughout history who have a connection to their spirit guide, to their daemon. And this is a uh, perfect correspondence to the standard hero trope that they all have mm -hmm. their mundane daily life. And then they put on this suit and they go out and do these amazing world altering things. Well, uh, it turns out that some of those characters throughout history are actually uh, stitched in to the fabric of the mythology that we're given handed down to our kids. And uh, so I don't want to give too much away, but I'm quite convinced that Peter Parker and Spider-Man correspond with Carl Jung and Philemon uh, in a massive way. I don't want to derail everything, but that's my next uh, my next project. Is, oh, uh, no shit. Course, course, yeah, corresponding all of the Avengers characters, good and bad, to real historical figures. And sometimes you're not going to like my, my connections. It's not all good guys, you know? And in fact, they're kind of making fun of some of the people we would think of as good guys. You know, you can see some elitist agendas uh in the writing the way that they script these characters so mm. that's 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 going to be taking that whole thing to the next level well you know there's some there's some like expert gematria uh, what do you what do you call people who are deep in a, like gematric gematric gematratex <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know i don't fucking gematra nuts i don't know but there's some let's, uh, let's go let's go with <laughs> 
Gamatramatakoi. Gamatramatakoi. That, you know, they, uh, oh, what's his name? Zachary Hubbard, right? He was one of the yeah. first Gamatra people I had ever um, really discovered and kind of broke my broke my brain on on it and was my intro to Dramatria. And, uh, you know, he would go as far to say that every character that's in these places that you would thus be connecting these characters to for Avengers would have a very significant reason to their name. Their name is even brought right. down to the agenda and everything. Have you watched the show Utopia? Yeah, man. That's a that that's some crazy shit, ain't it? Right. That's some crazy shit. The farm, it? the farm, the farm. Like that's right there is what makes me think. Like there's definitely a fucking farm where they have uh, professional sports athletes, where they have all the politicians, all the lawyers, anyone who's going to write these books and be a part of it, and so pre-planned. But that'd be so perfect, wouldn't it? You know, to have yeah. <laughs> it'd be so perfect. <laughs> It'd be you know, almost too can, perfect. Yeah, man. I can put a name on that. And we should like just kind of drop this and walk away. Cause you know, some names you don't like, like dig too deep and you don't put on blast too much. But the family international, the farm is very much pointing at the family international. I'm done. That's all I'm gonna say. Drop it and leave. Peace Go. out. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, pretty much what they're pointing at there. They're, I, I try not to watch movies because it because it freaks me out how all the revelations that they're putting in front of mundane people's eyes that they don't see it they don't want to see it if they did see it they'd probably go crazy like me so uh, but yeah that was a crazy one that is too much yeah that that's that's crazy family international I've never heard of it so I'm putting it in my notes. Oh God. Um, so, um, yeah, so we, we got off the, the track a little bit about, uh, you know, Dramatria oh, yeah. and, and, and stuff, but, uh, but it's correlating. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. So through your Avengers, once you did those 22 characters, what was kind of the next piece of the pie for you? Where, where were you, uh, off to next? Well, I put them, if you, if you come to my channel, you you will see that I'm very much into visual aids. Uh, I do a lot of, I call myself a, a caveman with a dry erase board, and I do a <laughs> lot of visual work, and it helps me uh, to learn. You know, I'm not just, you know, they're trying to tell everybody how it is. You know, I'll make mistakes, and I'll have to come back and correct myself, and uh, and that's the best way to learn is to, like, I always say mistakes are not okay mistakes are required mm -hmm. uh, and that's how yeah and that's how you come to own the knowledge you know so yeah um so on my dry erase board i would put literally i would tape the tarot cards in their stations uh in according in accordance to the zodiac and so this kind of leads into what we're going to do today with the tarot tories because once you realize that the tarot cards the the 22 tarot cards, they have a, a home and a, an association of correspondence to the 12 stations of the sky clock. Uh, then uh, much more layers of the onion become revealed. And uh, I can start busting into some, uh, some image, sharing some images to kind of let's, take us there. 
let's do that. Let's pause real quick because I want to just give our listeners um, this kind of like quick, brief overview and understanding of how and why the tarot cards have such significance to alchemy, to depth of understanding, to occult symbolism. Because in today's age, you know, tarot has been blown up, misguided, brought through the fucking ringer into the woo-woo age. And it's it's not, I mean, I'm, I feel conflicted about it because it's like, okay, now there's more people that know about tarot and, and like there's these Thoth decks out there, you know, that people can get, but, but do they know about Hermes Trismegistus Thoth, you know, Mercury, Mars, do they, do they know about that, you know, or is it being watered the fuck down? Yeah, that's a great question. And and for that matter, uh, one thing I wonder is, is it being intentionally vilified? Mm. You know, are are they uh, setting people up to be triggered? You know, certain people are programmed their whole life to be like, no, if it's if it's got magic, then it must be evil. And so they use magic so that when people realize that they've been bamboozled, they come after the people who have that understanding, overstanding for that matter. Mm. So that is something to be very weary of, you know, and uh, I, it's funny. There's an Arthur C. Clarke quote, like any technology that is not understandable is will be labeled as magic or is you might as well just call it magic. But the funny thing is Arthur C. Clarke, that's a poison cup. That dude was no good. He was no good. And they, they dropped his quote in the transformers the other night in the girl who's so super smart. she like stops in her tracks and she acts impressed because he quotes Arthur C. Clarke and she's like big up in Arthur C. Clarke. Watch, watch out folks. That's a mm. poison cup, man. Arthur C. Cup, he was no good. But that is a good quote. Then yeah. you know you got to take the yeah. good and yeah. you got to leave the bad. Mm. And that's kind of what that's kind of what I'm doing with this tarot. You know, uh, I'm not under any Masonic agenda. I don't have any instructors or teachers. I'm self-taught in all, in all this. Um, so you just got to be weary that almost everybody has a good message. Like you come watch my videos, you'll be like, oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. And if you don't agree, if it doesn't vibe with you, just leave it call me a dumbass but take the good stuff because i got a lot to offer that kind of thing i'm no arthur c clark that's for damn sure i shouldn't be comparing myself to that guy but um but that's my point is that yeah i think that tarot is uh very important we just had a, a president whose name was trump and trump is a tarot card term so you better be believe people know people are more aware now that there are uh high orders of mystics at the upper echelons, and they're putting these little signs and symbols flashing to each other, uh, signaling to those who are in the know. And it's a good thing to up your uh, symbolic literacy if you want to see what's being put before your eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's a hundred percent facts. And right before we go visual aids again, let's. Can you tell me mm-hmm. about your understanding of the depth of the cards? And by that I mean they go far back. They go so far back that it's hard to find the real, like you know, actual history of them. Mm-hmm. But can, can you give? Uh, can you give me a little history of it? Of what you understand? I can try. Yes. Um, so one of the older decks is. Um, and most, most, well, there are decks we'll never know about. There mm-hmm. have been decks that have come and gone that aren't even on the, most people's radar. Um, 
But one of the higher orders of mystery decks is uh, known as the Solabuska deck. And there's a fella out there. You, um, his name is Peter something. I forget his full name. But um, uh, that Solabuska deck has a very ancient, um, you could say, uh, cultural intrigue. Uh, baked mm. into the mythos behind the images of that deck that um, in order to grasp what is being put in front of you, you literally have to remove your mentality from modern day context and put your mind back in time. And uh, the more you grasp, uh, it's almost like a time traveling ex ex uh, experience uh, to understand where these uh, signs and icons where they came from in their time and Solabuska is a really good one to get into some of the deep deep mysteries that's something I'd recommend um, but uh, in there that's something else that I guess is important is that not all tarot decks are the same but they are very similar they have a lot of similarities as they roll through their images uh, and I think that the cornerstone of that similarity is the sky clock I think that they are incorporating constellations of the they say there's 88 constellations, um, and I think that they take these aspects of the constellations in certain segments of the sky, and they meld them and morph them into these signs and symbols and icons that are in the tarot. Um, so in a beautiful way, that is how they are taking what is true, the actual heavenly shapes and figures and myths of the dynamics of those figures in the in the high heavens and bringing them down to earth and instilling them into our psychological archetypes um, such that uh, culturally we all are become uniform. We all have a, a, a singular common understanding of the dynamics of the heavens as they relate to the dynamics of our, our uh, worldly experiences does that help? Yeah, it does. And that kind of ties exactly right into territories of how it would come from up in the sky clock and how yeah. you brought it down here. Right. I like to, I like to point, you know, people to be hermetic is to say, you know, as above, so below, as mm -hmm. within, so without. Um, but, you know, to be Christian, uh, to, you know, to marry the two worlds, you would say on earth as it is in heaven. You know, and it's just beautiful that those do not have to be diametrically opposed. It is okay to walk side by side with our brothers, wherever, whatever school of, of spiritual thought that they come from. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm uh, trying to do. And one thing just real quick is this is hard to explain on with a camera, but <laughs> when I take an image of the sky and I put it down on the ground, on the ground everything flips everything flips the ah. left becomes the right and the right becomes the left and that's something to think about that uh you know you take a picture of the of the things in the sky and then you look down on the ground well that's not the way that it would appear if it actually laid down on the ground so that 180 degree 1818 is a very important number to understand it is reflective it is has it is the point of inversion. It is the return. All things with an R have that reflective value. So that's just something to think about as we go. Uh, 
forward. So it, whenever people say like, oh, that has to do with Leo, it's also important to look at the opposite uh, symbol in the mythology. And so like Leo and Aquarius will have correspondence in a major way. And that plays right into um, the, we just had uh, the Super Bowl. We had the full moon was in Leo and the Rams uh, were, so Cincinnati is the Leo, is the Lions, where the full moon was. And the Rams are on the opposite end of the spectrum over on the other side. Um, so, but I, I'm digressing. But it's always important to think of the opposites when you're dealing with these signs and symbols, because mm. it is how the bringing the heavens to the earth, it's how it works. Things are reflective that way. I, so. I absolutely agree. And, uh, you know, Fire Tribe, you guys probably have listened to that David Matheson episode we had in our God Satan duality month. And that's kind of how we figured out a lot of the, the Ophiuchus symbolization. You know, there was like, we had to look at the opposite side to figure out what was going on over here. And, and hermetically speaking, like you're saying, I mean, that duality plays the most purpose. It plays the entire energetic purpose of understanding how the things are going to happen. You can't have anything happen without the polarity. And so it's so true. And that's how we symbolize things. That's how we find it out. You know, we have to, we have to experience that on an emotional level as well, just to fucking get through our, 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 um, our thick goopy, uh, minds, you know, <laughs> and our, our emotions are thick and goopy and, you know, swelter in it because the opposite side will come to. Um, so let's get into it, brother. All right. All right. So uh, I'll show my master chart. Is that coming up? Yes, sir. So when I did the Avengers, this is, you can kind of see my uh, Captain America shield in the middle. Nice. <laughs> yep. So, uh, just to not to digress, but Captain America is definitely the fool card. Um, mm. <laughs> so um, the uh, the fool card is uh, numbers. It doesn't have a number. It has a symbol. It's a zero. Zero is not a number. It's a symbol. It's a space uh -huh. hole. So he's outside of time. He represents Uranus. Um, and so he is the center place. The place entered. The placenta. He is in the primordial womb and uh the uh and so uh that is a keystone and that will come up when i uh, get into the uh the territories um that was where i began that's where i started to see the patterns was uh with the full card so then it drops down to the magi is number one uh and then it goes uh comes over to the priestess is number two and it actually skips Aquarius for some reason. And I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe I'll read it in a book someday. But the number three is over here with uh, the Empress. Uh, she's in Pisces. Um, and number four is the Emperor here. And one thing that's important to note is the this is 322. This is the spring equinox that the Skull and Bones have a big heart on for. Uh, and for good reason, it's the beginning of the pagan New Year. And this is, uh, you know, people think of this as ram's horns, but I like to think of this symbol here as a sprout coming yeah. up out of, out of the earth. This oh, is, yeah, totally looks like a, a sprout. Totally yep. does. Yeah. Wow. Yep. 
And so this is the spring equinox where life is springing up from the underworld. And this black line here, this is my equinox line. So you got spring equinox on this side, fall equinox over here, 180 degrees away from it. So then we jump up into uh, Taurus and you get the Hierophant card is number five. Uh, Gemini is uh, the lover's card, number six. And then Cancer here with the six, nine, that's uh, the chariot card. And then you go to Leo, my favorite. And you got the uh, the young lady soothing the lion here. That's the strength card. Oh. Um, and then we go into Virgo and you got this hermit right here. Uh, and that's an important one too. Uh, that was part of my revelation of the um, territories, but I'll get to that as we flow through. And then you drop down past the fall equinox here and um, you enter into this wheel of fortune card with Libra. And I consider the wheel, the wheel of fortune card a little bit nebulous. I kind of would put it as a bridge between the two. Um, but I'll get, I'll explain that a little bit later with the territories. And then justice is also in Libra. And now, uh, Something that's really interesting. You see my mouse pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we've been doing just one card per station until we come around to here. And this is where they start to compound into two cards per station. And the reason that I think that is, is because we are the nights are getting longer. And so the uh, dynamics of the heavens have more, more interplay. There's more time for the stage of the stars to uh, express themselves for this longer night period. And up here in the summer from July, August, and September, you only have one card per station. And the reason for that is because in the summer, you have very short nights. And so it's not a very long production in the heavenly stage. And so that's just something to give interesting to give logic to uh, to uh, rhyme to the reason for why it looks the way it does. So now that we're coming into this fall and we're down in uh, was that October, uh, we have two cards uh, going from number ten, which is Wheel of Fortune, four ten, Wheel of Four Ten. And uh, we drop into the Justice card is also in Libra. And now down here, we're in Scorpio. And that is the uh, Hanged Man card and the Death card correspond with Scorpio very powerfully. And uh, there's a this right here, this purple line that my mouse is on. Uh, that is a crucial uh, component of the entire Sky Clock because that's where Ophiuchus is hanging out mm, mm. that you guys did with Matheson and this little pointy point of the arrow is uh, where Ophiuchus's heel is resting on the, uh, the tail of the scorpion. So that little uh, purple line is very important to the occult in a major way, which you guys discussed. It also, I should just point out that's um, November 22nd. That's JFK's assassination day. No coincidence whatsoever no, that that corresponds. I, yeah. Yeah. November 22nd in general is like that. It just kind of stains in my right. brain that that date is a very pre pre uh, prevalent date as is uh, December 11th and 12th too. That's another one. From Mr. AC. 
I don't even know. I don't even like I have oh. multiple friends. I have birthdays on December 11th. I have twins, uh, really oh, wow. good twin friends have birthdays on that day and uh, very significant. Yeah. Okay. Well, so uh, now we're uh, now that we're coming out of Scorpio, we're past that November 22nd Ophiuchus mark, which he, uh, I think of Ophiuchus almost as the fool card also, just to make a, a quick point. Um. So we are crossing into Sagittarius, uh, which I guess is uh, November. Yeah, yeah. No, November into December, I guess. But um, uh, so that one is uh, this is the Temperance card, and some of these names of the cards will vary in other decks just ever so slightly. Some decks, uh, like the Thoth deck, he really scrambles some shit, but it's generally the same because it's according to the sky clock. You can't change the stars, you know? So uh, now we're in the second layer. We're coming around for the second pass on these last few cards here. And you've got, uh, you'll jump into Capricorn, which is the devil card. And now we're filling in the two blanks of Aquarius here. And so 15 is devil, 16 is the tower. And that is also letter P is the 16th letter. So you have a lot of palaces and phalluses and powerful implements uh, that have related to the pinnacle. You got it all. Yep. It's very P oriented right here. And then uh, we drop from 16 into number 17 is the star card here. It's usually a young lady spilling water Um uh, having much to do with the Aquarius, the sign that we're under here. I wonder and, if that correlates with the the night sky being so like because this this time of the year is deep winter, so we're having lots of night it. skies. That's interesting. Wow. Yes, so we're in the depth of it for sure. Um, and then we jump into next. We will move into uh, Pisces, which also corresponds with this moon, uh, the moon card number eighteen. Oh. And then we cross it across the spring equinox and we get the sun card. Oh, and now, now if you watch my, do you, have you seen what a Masonic tracing board looks like generally? Uh, not that I, not that I know of. I, so I've seen, I've seen damn near most of your videos. Oh, good. Uh, good deal. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think of on a Masonic tracing board, it generally has two pillars. Uh, they call it Joachim and Boaz. And they're the two pillars that are always marking the gates of Solomon's temple. Also on tracing boards and mm -hmm. many other occult things. Mm -hmm. I have, we, I know what you're talking about now. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. So if you watch my mouse, you'll see this is the moon pillar is horizontal. It's down here is the moon, the underworld, the dark time of year. And when you come up above, this it becomes the sun pillar appear up above in the light of day oh. so we have a moon pillar below and a sun pillar above mm -hmm. and another thing that's really nifty about this if you look at the the uh, symbols you'll see that on the uh, sunny time of the year there's a lot of gold she's got a gold horn he's got a gold crown he's got a gold arm. oh my she's god got golden hair i was just gonna he's say this is crazy. Like, so we talked about this a little bit in the first one. Just to let everybody know, Gabe and I met up maybe, was it two months ago? Uh-huh. And did this, we did this like two months ago, but then I am a dummy and I fucking lost the file. But I'm looking at these now and 
like they're all holding these you know things which and and some people know my my work that i'm very slowly i'm trust me guys i'll come out with something soon uh doing work on is antiquated transhumanism that these devices all had very specific and particular play into connecting consciousness to the you know what the cloud right which is what we consider now the cloud is different than what these ancient ancestors considered the cloud or maybe it's not fucking different i don't know i don't know maybe maybe the cloud is the same as it always has been but it's being introduced to us in a different way but so like gold 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 round orbs crosses i see multiple crosses jesus christ dude it's just fucking crazy fascinating and what is that card that your mouse is on right there what is that one that is the hermit card okay it's it's on Virgo, and he's very he's very interesting. So a lot of wisdom has come out of my uh, coming to understand that card. And like I like to point out, like if, if a picture says a thousand words, then this is twenty two thousand words we're looking at right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's so much to be said about each one of these little images, and that's the most efficient way to communicate. Mm-hmm. is to just uh is to do it through uh symbol symbols um so yeah so in un, in the underworld down here you'll see more silver there's a lot more silver generally uh silver knight she's got a silver crown silver sword uh he's rocking silver vest she's got a uh, water um silver moon uh, the one exception silver yeah silver star down here silver moon Um, So that's a general run through of how the tarot cards uh, relate to the Zodiac. And and some people might jump on and, uh, you know, they might disagree with uh, some aspect of this. I've never actually had anybody like really adamantly refute my placement on these because, you know, this is how the book is, how the book taught me the book that came with the tarot cards. It tells you what station they belong in. And I just follow the book. And this is the image, the grand image that is revealed. So this is nobody has done it. Nobody's done it in a template style. I've never I mean, like I've know lots of people that draw tarot and I know lots of people who are in the healing community, Uh um, you know, and, you know, consider themselves psychic or mystic. And they use cards and they're very good at pulling from cards. But never once a day, you know, maybe maybe they have done it on their own but they you know it's not well known i mean that's yeah it's, it's, it's asking the way you've done it here and broke it down is it's asked to be this way and my opinion <laughs> the way you just right. explained it it's so fucking true i mean you have you know it correlates 120 percent with the sky clock the silver the gold the up the down the polarity it's hermetic thoth hermes like what the fuck dude please continue i'm i'm done you're, you're brilliant <laughs> i love you much love homie much love brother yeah uh, so this has been like a real powerful learning experience for me because it's like one of my favorite quotes. It comes from, I don't know where Ross Ben got it, but I'm going to give it to Ross Ben. He said it. He says, uh, consistency is the hallmark of truth. And so that's what I've been following. I've been living by that motto that if it's consistent, then you're looking at a truth. And that's as that's scientific as, as it needs to be. Uh, in my opinion. So this is a, a the Grandmaster uh, uh, decoder ring that we'll kind of return to periodically as we go forward. Uh, let me see. And I'll start to progress. 
into so what I did was I took I'm gonna can, can you I see pause that? you really quick? Can I pause you? Yeah. I'm gonna mm -hmm. go urinate. I'm sorry everybody, but I'll probably edit this part out. But I got it. I okay. gotta piss. I gotta piss. All is well, brother. Do it, do it. <laughs> Hey yo! Hey, hey yo! Okay, nice. man, let's do it. Ooh. All right, so uh, I'll just do. So what I did was I took that same twelve station concept. Can you see this? Yes, sir. And this is kind of uh, it's a rough draft. <laughs> we'll just say it that way, but. Um, one quick way to uh, kind of uh, give consistency to this truth I'm trying to bring forward is uh, the story of the crucifix scene is a circle. It's a, a hill wow. of Golgotha is a circle. And there are three crosses on that circle. <laughs> and when you do three crosses, you end up with the Zodiac stations. Jesus, and, dude. Yes. Now, and. <laughs> Now I want to I want to point out I just want to say something real quick you know uh, I am a Christ loving Gnostic mofo I love me some Jesus but what this code that I'm bringing forward here this is uh, these are secret societies that have dressed Jesus up in their in their codes mm. uh, so personally I keep my Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas uh, that's where I find you know the man Christ. And I think anything else like the, the Hill of Golgotha and the Three Crosses, all of that is uh, Roman Catholic mysticism uh, dressing him up in a major way. So I just want to point that out, that uh, I'm not dogging the Christ story because it's uh, it's way more than anybody that we could even get into. So we've we've done we, we've talked about this with our fire tribe They're They're hopefully up to speed that um the yeah. cross is a symbol that goes way before monotheistic christianity and that there's a potentiality right. that the story of christ being put on the cross is to give this dead energy and blind eye to the actual symbolism of the cross and the fact that these three crosses lied on top of each other in turn just shows me that 
there's a centrifugal point energetic spin that comes off of that. And there's something very energetic about this. And I want to say too, before we go in, when we've talked about there being potential fertile crescent in North America, this is always where I visualize the fertile crescent of North America being right there because Atlantis would be somewhere over here. And then therefore the stories, if they happen in America, not in the Middle East, which we talk about on here, we have, and other people talk about it too. Then that's where the mm -hmm. fuck it would be, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, man. It's a, uh, it's really something special. Uh, uh, so, so this is my nexus point. This is uh, the center of my of my map, just roughly. And you can see how. Um, let's see if I can get. Um, I ch I've chosen, like I said, ideal in standards things that are. Uh, does that make you see that? Yes. You, you can. Nice. You can see that this line, my equinox line for my zodiac, is the thirty seventh parallel. And also, there is so much significance to the 37th parallel. Uh, uh, I'll try not to get derail. I could derail myself so quickly with that. But 37 is, is 10. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. It's a, it's a very significant number. Um, and it is the Mason-Dixon line. Um, and so it, it, is, it was chosen for a very powerful reason. Um, and so that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to get too far off in the weeds, but um, so that the Mason Dixon makes my uh, spring equinox and my winter uh, equinox or my fall, excuse me, spring and fall equinox. And then I use the Mississippi river right here where my mouse is. It creates my uh, summer solstice and my winter solstice dividing line. And the fact that it splits into this Y shape, right here at the foot of Illinois, my mouse is on a location that is known as Cairo. They call it Cairo, but it's Cairo, Illinois. And that's, that's no coincidence. I tell you what. Yeah. yeah so, so having Cairo, Cairo, Illinois, right here at the yod, the Y shape of the Mississippi is a, is a big deal. Um, and if anybody gets to my channel, I, I mentioned why the Yod is the center of the uh, the cube. The 12 stations create a cube mm, shape, mm, mm. and the Yod makes the cube three-dimensional. So having the Y of the Mississippi right there is uh, so much things to say. Memphis, too. Memphis, Tennessee is right around the corner, and that's also an ancient city in Egypt. Yeah, like buddy. They're, they're just laying it fucking down there, dude, like left and yeah. right. Yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, so this is my um, the basic layout of what I want to lay out. And I'm going to try to rip through and show the Magi, the high, the well, the fool, the Magi, high priestess. Then I'll skip to the Empress and then we'll come up here to the Emperor and wrap around as fast as I can. But one thing that uh that I'm doing and you will see as I go is that um, the icons and the standards of these states correspond with the tarot cards. And so I'm pretty sure somebody up in the, you know, the white, the white brotherhood or the highest of highest echelons is maintaining this consistency 
either that or we're all tapping into the muse in a major way. But I'm pretty sure whoever makes these determining uh, symbols, they are tuned into the on earth as it is in heaven concept uh, in a major way. And, the and, and, you know, and what we have to understand too, is like, in just like when you're setting up business or anything that we're doing in our personal lives, the format and the basis and the foundation, which is the hardest part to set up in the beginning needs yep. to be set up in order for all these things to flow. And that's what's been happening with a lot of the running of society globally, you know, is there's been foundation set up for these processes yeah. long before our lives. And so like, it's, it can be kept and managed because the foundation is so well set on these occultic viewpoints and this occultic shit like this, you know? Yeah. Big time. Uh, one of the things I'll get to, I'll point out there's, you know, there's even free Masonic handshakes right in plain view in some of these uh, state flags and state symbols. So it is, it's uh, anybody who doesn't believe that the world is run by secret societies you gotta, you gotta come around. You gotta come around. <laughs> I mean, we're putting it out in front of your eyes and people are willfully ignorant at this point. Yes. So here we have the fool card. Uh, fool card is the beginning of a, of the, uh, the journey. He's the initiate. He's the Neo fight. You could say this is Neo from the matrix before he got woke up. Um, and he's, uh, apparently he's about to take his next step. He's going to fall off a cliff is his uh his next step but he's carelessly looking to the heavens he's not watching where he's going he's got his little daemon uh canine companion you could think of this as luke skywalker looking up at the two suns you see that there's a zero and a sun wow and this is r2d2 down here he's looking he's looking to the heavens luke yep totally a luke skywalker um so that uh, card, I place it in Kentucky because Kentucky in Portuguese or in Twilight language is Cayendo Aqui. And that means falling right here. And I consider Kentucky to be the keystone of this entire riddle because that was the first thing that started to clue me into uh does the fool card have a correspondence to Kentucky? Because Kentucky has a lot of mountainous regions. Let me let me also say this: Kentucky and the Penny Royal is one of the most electromagnetic hotspots in this app in this fucking land. So there's yeah, that, that you're that's the starting point, man. We got the energy centrifugal hotspot. Those three crosses intertwined there, dude. Like energy. Yeah, man, I'm uh, the the Penny Royal work, and then the uh, the Hellier stuff is freaking me out because I really wish I could talk to those guys and show them that I've got this some kind of crazy treasure map that is indicating that they are sitting on the the keys to the universe. That's all oh, I can say. It confirms everything they're doing in Kentucky. It's next level. Blows my mind. I'll try to get a hold of them for you, dude. Oh, that would be dope. They talk about the 37th degree latitude. And, you know, they could tell me some things. I could tell them some things. Next thing you know, everybody's like, Mason Dixon is no joke. It's magical as a mofo. We'll set it up, man. I'll, oh, I'll try. I'll try. Oh, that's sweet. That is sweet. So I got, you know, I put the mammoth caves here. You got the green man as part of the mythology there. 
And I guess I'll give a little bit away. The 37th degree latitude is super sacred because uh, because of the black market industry for growing ganja in Kentucky. And they sent their seed scouts to the 37th degree latitude in Afghanistan. And that's why your weed comes from Afghanistan, because it has to have the exact same latitude to grow just the way those seeds like to grow. Wow. So there's a rabbit hole and a half for you. And so here is the Commonwealth of Kentucky, their seal. And sure enough, not only does this guy look like he's taking a step, walking just like the fool card, dressed in yellow, it's united we stand, divided we fall. And the whole fool card is about to fall off a cliff. Jesus. So somebody at the top knows about this, and they got there's probably books out there that we're not allowed to read. And I'm just what's up with the stance that he's in too like he's you know yeah. one of them is because in, in ancient egypt there is a big play on um this the stances like when they built statues there was a reason why the left foot would be in front of the right foot because of an energy standpoint like my friend makes these he calls them egyptian healing rods and one yeah. of them is copper one of them is um mm, mm, just another kind of metal <laughs> uh-huh, but, spe- uh-huh. but specifically alchemically so and when he made me a custom pair which you guys can all go get yourselves a custom pair of these egyptian healing rods he'll fill them with whatever crystals you want what resonates with you um and let me tell you something they help with meditation <laughs> they help uh-huh. with grounding like uh i i wish i uh i think i gifted them to somebody or i lost them either way um it was very specific and adamant about there being the left foot forward um, when you're holding it you know so nice you know one thing that i noticed just looking at it now is that's not a normal handshake it's supposed to be right hand to right hand this is a right to left handshake so there there is some kind of free masonic bullshit going on i'm pretty sure we have the the government this is like uh the military and the government red and blue and i think this guy and i think this guy's the banker and so I think that's what they're kind of pointing out is that the government and the banks, you got you got separation of church and state, sure, but do you got separation of the fucking state and the banks? Uh-uh-uh. Mm, complete union. And what's that sign, that symbol down there in between the, yeah, what is that? Uh, that looks a little bit like a fleur de lis. Oh, it does. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a fleur de lis, which is really a consistent you know, one thing about all of our state seals that kind of myths me is that they are adhering to ancient treaties. So even in like California and Texas, their state flags still venerate old treaties with other countries, Spain and France. Um, and so they're kind of holding the history. I guess they preserve the history. Uh, but if it's an American fucking state, then why do we have these other vested interests, uh, you know, in, in our internationally overseeing our real estate? I think there's a lot to know about that in terms of trust law. Uh, so I'm going to blaze on to the Magi card, card number one. Um, so this is your standard Magi card. Even if you go on other decks, he generally has this posture. Um, he has his table uh, with all of his implements, his accoutrement. Baphomet. 
Yeah, Baphomet, the as above, so below going on. You got it. And he's holding the staff of Hermes. He is Hermes. He's considered Hermes because he's number one. Um, and uh, one thing that will come in the next clip here is the, you know, these white flowers and mixed in with the red. These are lilies amongst the roses. Oh. Uh, and so here I'll just jump right into these are. Uh, the state seals of uh, Tennessee right here. And this one is Alabama. And you can see on the uh, Tennessee, you can see this golden wheat bundle of wheat looks very much like his golden cup on his table. You oh. can see, you can see the uh, arch, the archway of the ship is slanted just like his arms. Right. You can even see this little guy on the ship. There's a, a, a red guy and a blue guy. Uh, but then you've got this. The white flowers are right here, uh, corresponding with the flowers here. And then you go to the uh, let's see. I think I can zoom in a little. Yeah. Does that help? Oh, yeah. Yep. Nice. So, yeah. So now you can see the sheaf of wheat corresponds with this little grail. Uh, this is the Alabama state flag, and it has the white white flower with little bits of red. But look at the red X, which corresponds with him wearing this oh, draped duh. in red and a major red on white, big time. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so what's up with a boat in Tennessee seal? I mean, like there. I mean, like it's not on the river. That's not a river boat. What the fuck's up with that? Right. That's a great point. That's a great point. I don't know. That's a no really idea. good point. Yeah. Tennessee is landlocked as a mofo. Really good point. So uh, Birmingham, I think, is I'm pretty sure is in Alabama. And to uh, not to belabor the point too much, but anytime you see a GH or HG in any word, it is invoking Mercury. No so, shit. HG Wells. H.G. Wells, baby. You got it. God damn, uh, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. So um, uh, G.H. as in light, flight, plight, might, right, all those G.H.'s, uh, those are definitely invoking Mercury. You see up here I have the Mercur Mercury's uh, periodic symbol is H.G. Yeah, man. So I also, I love to do anagrams. So I took Birmingham and I did a bunch of anagrams and they were all pretty good, but I picked the cream of the crop for of, of, out of them all. And I got Magi in Brim. And this is the traditional uh, look for Hermes. He's got yeah. this hat. That's the real old school Hermes with that brim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just thought that was kind of fun to find that that staff though. That staff is hell. I mean, that's. I mean, I've seen her. I've seen this depiction of Hermes holding the staff uh -huh. of Mercury in ancient Greek, but that's also um, of like pharmacopoeia, um, or it, it belongs predominantly to someone else representing. But I guess it's just an alchemical staff. Really, is what it is. True. True. Yep. Uh, some would. So that I believe is the. Caduceus, which is uh, mercantilism, which is sales and exchange, which is what he's doing when he does magic, is the, f adhering to the rule of exchange. And then uh, 
There's the caduceus, and I always forget the other one. We'll just we'll just rip on through. Maybe it'll pop in my head later. But if it has one snake, then it the one snake is the healing yeah. modality. That's the actual one uh, that is not mercantilism. So uh, the next card. Oh, this is just a quick review. So we've gone from uh, from Kentucky, from Kayendoaki, where Kentucky touches the Mississippi is really the center, and then we drop down. We're in Tennessee and Alabama. And there's actually on the state map, let's see, uh, it's covered up, but there's a table shape right here. There's a table shape on Tennessee is like on a table. If this was a leg on Georgia and this was a leg over here on the other side of Alabama, there's actually a table, which reminds me very much of his magical table. Oh, shit. Fuck. Yeah. Wow. So so then we move to the. to the west, and we end up with uh, uh, the high priestess, and this is her stand. This is one of her many standard cards. She's holding the uh, scroll, the tarot, uh, the Torah. Excuse me, the Torah scroll. Mm. She's got these pomegranates. She's chilling on a moon. Uh, she's got two pillars, the black and the white. That's Joaquin and Boaz, uh, the moon and the sun pillars. And here I've taken some of the icons of the Mississippi and uh, and brought them into her iconography of her tarot card. And you can see the similarities. Wow. This is, yep. This is the, um, Oh, the Magnolia flower. And you can see two pillars on either side. The color scheme is identical to her card. Uh, uh, and there's a team in Mississippi called Ole Miss. Uh, I think it's a football college, maybe. I'm not so keen on sports. So Ole Miss is an old athletic team in Mississippi. And so a lot of the icons of the state are adhering to this uh, uh, archetypal. And archetypal is a touchy word. Um, I'm using it very loosely. I'll just give myself that permission now. Uh, we're using it very loosely when we say archetypal. But And here is another High Priestess card. This is from the Thoth deck. And you can see some of the correspondence that it's very, it's got the flowers. It's got, uh, there are two pillars generally. Can you zoom depicted. into that one? Yeah, let's see. Also, she's got the cross right in the heart chakra. Right in oh, chakra. yes. Yes, the uh, Coptic cross. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking cool. And so... And so uh, th- that indicates uh, that's a mutable cross, and that is beautiful because in the sign of Capricorn, it's a mutable month. It means it's uh, it's fresh, it's new, it's the most likely to change. Um, it's very susceptible to change. A, a mutable X. So, like X Men, they're mutants. They're, <laughs> they're they're ready to to change. Transmutable. Uh, transmutable bingo um so then we jump across let me see if i can now we're going to skip aquarius we're going to skip all of texas oh that's and, right yeah and, and you still don't jump. know why and you still don't know why but there is a significant reason well i think you kind of nailed it that it is the deeper it's the deepest of the night month oh okay so it has the longest night and so uh, you could call that the dark night of the soul, the Saturn returns, because Saturn is an element down here, big time. 
So, but it does, it skips that on this first pass. Uh, maybe because it's too much for the initiate. You know, you're still fresh. You're a newbie. You're yeah. only on card number three. <laughs> Shit, man. Right. So this is my favorite Empress card. I love having a black Empress in California. It 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 seems so righteous to me. Khalifa. Um, Khalifa. Yes, Bada man. Boom. You got it. Um, so, yeah, I, I uh, really love this card. It's just beautiful. Uh, she's always sitting. She's uh, reclining. She's got her arm back. She's kicking it. Uh, and I just love that hair. It's just gorgeous. Yes. So, yeah. So she she would be Southern California, to be really specific, because the 37th parallel cuts it right in half, right at the Golden Gate Bridge. Golden Gate Bridge is 37th degree parallel. Is it really? It's no right shit. on it. Oh, bingo, wow. Bingo, bingo. Bridging the spring equinox. So... Uh, these are some, so I got the foreign Khalifa for California. Uh, she's got her shield. This heart next to her is a shield. Well, Eureka, which is technically, I think, north of San Fran, but Eureka has a very similar icon. Let's see. Eureka is up, in, is up in Humboldt. Um, okay. It's probably a little, about a couple hours or an hour and a half away from me. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a little more north than where I would... Uh, really to be really accurate, but I had to uh, use this because of the shield here is a old sign of Athena. She's always got the shield with Medusa's head on it. Um, so I just found that really interesting that there's so much similarity. With Why is that? Why is Athena got the Medusa head on her shield? Because Medusa uh, was originally, Oh no, that's been her. That was her name, but she was originally beautiful. And she was bragging when she was young. She was like, I'm as pretty as Athena. And Athena's like, oh, you bitch. Uh, uh, uh. I'm watching you. I'm going to watch you close. And so as she got older, uh, Medusa went into Athena's temple and got it on with Neptune in Athena's temple. Uh-oh. And that gave and that gave Athena all the jurisdiction she needed to curse that girl. And she turned her into Medusa. And so uh, Athena has big beef with uh, with Medusa, and she ends up sending Perseus to go and kill Medusa eventually. It's cold. That's a, it's cold. That's a super hermetic seal. I mean, the art and the style of like the watercolor and everything looks just super, I don't say watercolor, like I fucking know what, what they painted that with, but <laughs> it looks like super hermetic. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. And um, so I got the Aulifornia up here. And the owl is a symbol of Athena as well. Um, here I've got the state, uh, the state uh, crest, um, which is just interesting to me because it has, you know, this is Spanish uh, from Spain, like Spanish, mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. is and this is Mexico. Um, this one is a a little bit Canadian. I think the bear was a Canadian. Kind of thing, and then this is the thirteen colonies. What about the uh, the bear astro sign? What, what does that have symbolic re resonance to California? Astrologically, well, um, in a, not necessarily in the directions that we think of northeast, south, and west, because California is so western. The bear is definitely indicates the north. It has a, a, a it indicates the north star. It's That's the, one of the pole stars. star. 
Yeah, because it's on Ursa Minor. It's the tail of the Little Dipper oh, is the North right. Star. That's right. So that's right. Uh, the bear is actually kind of indicating that northern uh, affiliation. It's also a, a symbol of uh, Russia. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's got a, kind of a Russian Im- implication there. Um, so that's my Cassiopeia, the foreign Khalifa, the Empress of Southern California. And now we have broken across the uh, equinox and we're in Northern California where we have the emperor card. This would be her husband. And uh, he's got, you see these rams on his throne, mm-hmm. the ram heads, mm-hmm. even down here is a ram, ram heads, four ram heads, even on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He's all about that ram. Um, and he's got the orb and the, whatever that fucking thing is. Onk. The onk. Yeah. Yeah. This is another uh, Emperor card from the Thoth deck. And oh, I brought shit. this forward. This is this is uh, fr- basically from San Francisco up. It adheres to uh, the Emperor card in the, uh, you can see the uh, Aries, the sign of the Ram is the uh-huh. uh, Zodiac sign. And I've taken some fun art. Uh, this is, uh, this is Colorado where the Colorado Springs and all of the hot springs are also in the zone of Aries. Oh. In, in the Colorado uh, State Rams, they have the freaking Ram as their oh, logo. Shit. shit. So all of this corresponds with the territories and the Emperor card being from, uh, uh, from Rome. Um, and I don't want to get too derailed, but I think that... Uh, so Rome, as we know it in like Italy, Rome, they do not venerate the ram. They do not venerate uh, the, the goats or the sheeps. They sacrifice them. But ancient, ancient, uh, the old territories of America, they venerated the, the lamb and the ram and the goats very much. And they would not sacrifice them. So this is telling us that Rome's, uh, I think Rome started here. Uh, way more than most people think of but fascinating yeah so that was my that was my uh, colorado equivalent and now i'm in back uh bringing in more california here and you can see the st louis these used to be it wasn't always la rams they used to be st louis rams yeah 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 yeah. which brings them just north of the 37th degree parallel which means they actually belong with this card oh shit Uh, because their origin spot was in the sign of Aries on the territories map. And then I got to point out, a lot of people miss this, but the Sacramento. Sacramento. Is Mento Memoriam or Mento? I think it's the entering. This is the, uh, this is the sacrament, uh, which is an initiation when you take the sacrament. Um, but it's also you're entering into a sacred space of the ram. Enter the sacred ram. Oh, yeah, no, ento, not mento. <laughs> I, I saying, that's well, so interesting. Also, it is mento is also like your crown, you know, your you know, mind control kind of thing. So you got the uh LA are these the Dodgers? Is that yeah, what they are? Yes, the Dodgers. Okay. So I put them on here because it looks just like his scepter. 
which there, see how his scepter is like a ram's head? And that's uh, the Globus Cruciger is what they call that right there. Yeah, buddy. I love that wow. word. That's such a good word. Cruciger? Yeah, it's so cool. What's the Twilight language on that? Oh, man. This Cruciger. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. But I think of Zuckerberg. Oh, God. Zucker. No. Zucker. Zucker. Sugar. Oh. And he's a uh, Zuckerberg is the berserker. Uh, that's Twilight language for his name. And uh, berserkers are werebears uh, from the Nazi from the Nazi Third Reich, the werebears. But that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother rabbit hole for sure. Oh my uh, god! Please do an episode on that. That I get, yeah. have you done much Zuckerberg deepness? No, but I should because I got a lot to say about that dude. Holy <laughs> shit, man! And Musk, yeah. do him and Musk, man. Right, right. So uh, uh, this is just another flag. I think this is like a San Diego flag, and here's the Los Angeles flag. And I just think it's interesting. It's divided in the four, and very much like this sphere here is divided in four. This is a California state flag. Let's see if I can zoom in. And it's just like the phoenix on the shield. It's got the f coming out of the fire there. Um, so that is, oh, and when you take the letters, the emperor, you can rearrange them to spell the hero, hero Trump. Oh, which is almost enough like Trump for me to say, is the, <laughs> is the orange ram bad? Are they, is orange ram bad? Just a thought. Just wow. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. And there's what also the. Go ahead. Oh, what is TR? TR is a thing too. That's a the the letters TR being grouped together. Um, you know, tri tried and true, Trump, uh, yeah. tr Trismegistus, try, yes. try. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's um, it's it's many things. It's uh. 29, which is the orbital period of Saturn. Oh. It's, it's also 70, let me think, 6, which I don't know what 76 would be. 76ers. Oh, 76ers. Nice. Weird. But yeah, there, there is something about TR. You're right, uh, for sure. So, yeah, here's my, this is just a, 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 a conglomeration of icons all through the Aries territories from Colorado all the way to and St. Louis to Colorado all the way to California. And so then we jump up one and we got the Hierophant and the Hierophant is uh, in Taurus and he's got this funky ass staff with the three prongs. It's almost Russian. It's one of the, uh, it seems more Russian to me. That sounds about right. Cause, uh, cause that ter that area is very rush close to Russia. It's like our closest territories to Russia. Oh yeah. And then, uh, this, this key is going to be important going forward. One key is generally gold and the other key is usually silver. It's a silver and a gold key. Um, and then here is my Montana is a big chunk of this part of the territory. And there are other States in all these territories, there are more than just the one state or the one city that I label. Like there's vast tracts of unaccounted for land that, you know, also fall in these territories. But I'm just focusing on the, 
the highlights, you know, the state capitals and the state flags and the primary icons. But so this key down here, this X'd out key sure looks a lot like this shovel and pickaxe. <laughs> and it's oro y plata. That means gold and silver. So you got the gold in the sky and the silver in the earth. Mm. And then over here in the, uh, uh, I think this is the capital, uh, Helena, Montana, the, the Helena, Montana city seal has the a bit of an X here, just like the state one. But then look how much this looks like his crown. Like it looks <laughs> just like his crown. Holy shit. And it's a oil, this one's an oil rig, but this is actually this oil rig is on top of a castle, like on an old Tartarian fortress castle, you know. Uh, and then There's, you've got the two. Go ahead. No, I got I got to do more digging into Montana because that shit is absolutely undoubtedly deeply connected to some of that shit. Yeah, big time. So uh, this is one of my favorite uh, images you can pull up real quick on Wikipedia when you look up Helena, Montana. And I found many anagrams in the words Helena, Montana. The first anagram I found was a tone heal a man. And that's amazing because we know about these churches were used to heal people back in the day. The tone of the music going through these cathedrals was used to heal. And I also found the uh, anagram on the analema. And uh, it's almost perfect. It should be two M's on the end. Analema is spelled with two M's. Um, but the analema is also called the lemniscato. Uh, so it has an M-N in the limna, lemniscato, or lemniscate, I think is how people pronounce it. Um, so these are just anagrams hiding within the name of Helena, Montana. So I figured I'd call those and bring those to the surface uh, because this card relates to atonement. And so for them to say atone heals a man and me to say that the fucking Hierophant card has to do with Helena, Montana is a powerful atonement energy uh, in plain sight. So then we jump over to the lover's card. Pretty plain and simple. You got these. Uh, we're in Gemini. We're in the sign of Gemini right now. And these two uh, are in, in each other's arms, making sweet love. You got the angel up here watching over him. Uh, and then you go and you look at some of the icons of Minnesota. That's Gemini Soda. Gemini, Gemini Soda. Minnesota <laughs> is... Definitely hailing to this territory system. And you got the uh, Vikings up here uh, with their horns, which I actually found in the uh, state seal. I've been paying a lot more attention to horns lately, ever since the Rams won. Ah, that's a show. That's the Twin Cities, uh, St. Paul. And uh, fuck, Minnesota. Yeah, is that Minneapolis? Minneapolis and St. Paul. Minneapolis. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Wow. So they're they're twin cities. It's all baked into the uh, the framework of the you know where these things originate from. You got these two guys holding each other like a couple of bromancers. Uh, pretty <laughs> pretty powerful stuff, <laughs> and. 
So here's, a, I just kind of spliced these in so we could check back in on the zones. So, you know, right now we're in the lovers card in Gemini and we're going to jump across. We're going to skip over to uh, Michigan. We're going to be in the sign of cancer and the chariot card corresponds with cancer in a major way. Um, oh man, this, you did this the other day with the Transformers breakdown. And uh, when you pulled up the birthdays of when all those movies were released, the same fucking month in the in the in the year of or in the fucking realm of cancer, yep. and then it being the chariot card and that chariot being, oh, yep. Sorry, please continue. <laughs> I said no <laughs> yeah, words. There. None of those were yeah, words. Man. It's uh, it's amazing that um uh that there's a whole system of consistency, and once you get a good head for it, nothing goes past your radar that you're not like aha. Aha, uh -huh, they're using these, you know, these archetypes or these, the, you know, the language of the muse. That's another way to think of this. This is the language of the muse. And if you're an artist, you adhere to the, 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 uh, the muse's whims, so to say. So here's another quick look at the cards as they lay out. We just left um, Gemini here with the Minnesota zone. You know, here's Montana up here. And so we're going to jump across into Michigan into the chariot card, which is going to be kind of obvious. I mean, a lot of people are probably already thinking about it. Um, so uh, you got the six to the nine. That's actually the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper spinning around each other. And when they spin around each other, it makes the uh, it highlights that pole star. Um, which is like a giant wheel in the sky. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Motor City, Detroit is absolutely positively hailing to its territory's location that it's on the the chariot card. But not only that, the Indianapolis 500 down in Indian, Indiana is also uh, chariots. That's fucking race cars going around and around and around in circles. Um, and Michelle Gibson has a lot to say about uh, places where thing, the cars go round and round in circles. Uh, in terms of ritual. Um, so this is the uh, state seal of Michigan. And I just find it amazing that it has these. Uh, there, This is one of the funkier ones. Usually it's just a deer and a moose. But I went ahead and I brought this one forward because they're like chimeric. They've got fish tails, you know. Chimeric. And this. Yeah, and the Sphinx is a chimera. It's a mix of different animals blended together. And so having these two guys uh, looking like the Sphinx pulling the chariot is uh, is hailing back to the chimera uh, element. And so you also you've got those uh, the Detroit Lions, which the Sphinx is part lion. So all of these mm -hmm. signs and symbols and mascots, they fit into the recipe in a major way. Um, uh, yeah, even Detroit Red Wings, their whole thing is a wheel. So, uh, and maybe in a little bit, I'm gonna, I might, if I get to it, I'll uh, bring forward that wheel in the cancer sign one more time at the very end, because uh, it has to do with some current events that's pretty neat. So here's your standard strength card. It's got the Virgo, the lady. She's telling the lion, be cool, baby. Be cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so this one, uh, I'm, I'm still looking for more evidence on this because it's actually really 
few and far between, but Maine, Maine is in the sign of the Leo, the yeah. lion. Lion's mane. Up here, Maine is the lion's mane. And so also just recently with the Super Bowl, Cincinnati Bengals, they're under the sign of the lion. Uh, pretty pretty uh, compelling. But also the capital of Maine is Augusta. And August is in the sign of Leo. We're in the lion right here. Um, so uh, this is the slogan for Maine is the state motto of Maine is Derigo. And Derigo is Latin for I direct, I lead, which is definitely a very Leo mentality state uh, state motto. So next is the uh, the hermit card. And I, I love it fucking cool that? card that is a cool looking card dude don't you dig that i had to use this one because it was cooler than most others fucking druid in the fucking cave <laughs> yeah. fucking way cool so i use this one but the thing is when you use other tarot cards there they have the same elements in them so you'll see that here in a sec so this is virginia the hermit oh. is, he's hermetically sealed off he's a virgin he's recluse he doesn't interact or uh, adulterate his energies with the world. So he's a virgin. And it's on the sign of Virgo also. And you can see that the state seal has, I think that's actually a chick with one tit hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> but she's got the staff. And their their slogan is Six Sempre Terranis, which is kind of, Kind of trippy because I think we're looking at some Jesuit, some Jesuit iconography baked in. Uh, just something to think about there. But even their uh, state flag has a dude with a giant freaking pole over here. And look at the stars around him. It's just like the stars around the hermit on this card. Uh, so no this doubt. Is a, no fucking yeah. doubt, dude. Yeah, and so here's a hermit card from a more standard deck. This is more popular. Might recognize this from Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you'll notice he's facing to the left. He's on the left-hand path. He's he's left society behind. He's going off on his own. Some. It's almost like a shape of a star in there. You got it. Yeah, it's a, a star, of David, up in there. Um, and I think that comes up in a little bit. Uh, so that's just a quick review again that we're right here. We're about to drop into the underworld. Oh, shit. <laughs> and we're going into uh, this Wheel of Fortune card under the sign of Libra. And you can see the sign for Libra looks like a sun dipping under the horizon. Right? It's going down. It's descending. So we're going into the underworld. And here is your standard Wheel of Fortune card. It has uh, three centered characters in the middle. Mad runic. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's got the uh the Sphinx, the uh, jackal, and the serpent. Um I won't get too into the decoding of the card itself, but then it's got the four royal stars are represented by these four uh four characters in the corners. And uh this one it's amazing how much information is is encoded in this one card. And I have to really skim the surface just to get, just to get through the presentation. Uh, but this is a big fat Scott of boom, Washington, D.C. Oh, shit. <laughs> D.C. is a four and a three. 
And that is the quadrivium is the four. And then the trivium is the three. DC is the quadrivium and the trivium of reasoning. And those are, that's the foundation of knowledge. These, this is all the building blocks of, of wisdom encoded into this single card right here. So and how do you get the quad? The, how do you get the quadrivium there? How is that from the deciphering those uh, things in the uh, those uh, animals in the corner, the symbols in the corner? Uh, no, um, it's from un, um, it's from I guess understanding that the the building blocks of knowledge hail back to the, the four to the three, and whenever I see a four and a three such as a D and a C, I know that it is encoding the uh, very ancient body of understanding that is paramount to everything that, that we appreciate about modern life today. So wow. this, this is incredibly important building blocks of knowledge is the quadrivium and the trivium, the four to the three proportion. And, uh, and so it's just beautiful to me that DC encodes the quadrivium and the trivium and you can see uh i've taken the the skyline of the washington memorial and tipped it on its side so that the <laughs> the sword of the sphinx is like kind of like the the washington memorial oh, shit tipping over there and some of these runic shapes on this shield uh i've just just for visual effect i've correlated them to the shapes on Washington, D.C., the street maps. Uh, and I'll point out W.H. on Wheel of Fortune. That's a White House. W.H. <laughs> Theoretically, in my yeah, mind. Yeah, there, yeah, and yeah. There's, and there is, there's a whole lot more going on on that card. It's so hard to just breeze past. And, uh, but that's a, that's a teaser for anybody who wants to dig in with, for more later. So this is the justice card. We're still in Libra, and he's got the scales of justice, the sword of justice. Um, he's got two pillars uh, behind him. Actually, one is, well, I won't get into that, but one is lighter, slightly lighter, and the other is slightly darker. Um, I can see it, and you have the gold stripe down there on the uh, on the left side. Oh, good point. And Baphomet wow. hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and this is another justice card, like a, a Latin judicia. Um, oh. And I, uh, and this corresponds with uh, South Carolina on my map, North, excuse me, North and South Carolina on my map uh, because of the scales. One goes up, the other is down. There's the North and the South, the Kermetic, the Kermetic correspondence. You got it. And let me see. I'm going to scroll up. Hope I don't give you a seizure. <laughs> so <laughs> thank also, you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so also, um, uh, in the in the map, we are looking at uh, we are on uh, South and North Carolina on the East Coast right here, and the North Carolina and South Carolina, their team is the Carolina uh, Panthers, right? Mm -hmm. That's the Cairo Lion. This oh. is. The Cairo oh, Lion oh, Panthers. Oh, They're totally doing a nod, nod, wink, wink to this 
the Sphinx. Wow. So, oh, and this is a Masonic handshake. Let me zoom in a little. The city of Charlotte County Seal. Oh, shit. It's hard to see. It's no, hard I to see, see that. I see you that. You see the fucking Masonic handshake? And then this is a Mithraic, a Mithra cap, which hails back to the castration cults of the cult of Mithra. And this is a beehive, which is like groupthink. There's one big family and we ain't in it. <laughs> Hive mind. What the fuck? Yeah. So this is the hanged man. Uh, Odin. Odin. You got it, brother. You know, you know. And so uh, the hangman, there is, there's a lot to say, but when I, when I point this one out, a lot of people are going to be like, I mean, it starts to get just, just unfricking deniable. But the hangman is definitely Florida. Holy shit. But Florida is the flaccid dong of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's hung. Uh, he's hung. He's, he's, he's so hung, it just dangles. <laughs> so a lot of people will remember back with the uh, Al Gore election, when Al Gore won, and then they let everybody think they had it, and then they ripped everybody's hearts out with a spoon. Al Gore-rhythm. Yep, and said, surprise, there were some hanging chads in Florida that <laughs> took the whole thing back. This is a great example of Shit. how headlines will be packed full of bullshit anything they want to tell you but if they overlay it with the truth of the tarot deck of the territories if they give it the frame the framework of truth it looks like a truth sandwich but it's packed full of bullshit and people will gobble it up because they're truth starved yeah so oftentimes these archetypes and these uh these symbols will be woven into whatever bullshit they want people to believe and it sounds like truth because it core because it resonates with this framework that i'm telling people about and i've got some real good examples towards the end but so the hangman like you said odin i got the picture of odin over here on the yggdrasil mm. which yggdrasil is uh encodes the word lizard egg Drasil is lizard in reverse, mm -hmm. and Ig, Yig is an egg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's the lizard egg of Yggdrasil. And then we got that Bermuda Triangle down here where planes and boats and all kinds of shit go off into the water. Uh, and that has much to do with uh, the upside down world and Odin looking into the other side, piercing the veil. Um. And something while I'm on this map, I'm just going to highlight something in two more cards. So the the dividing line is right here near Tallahassee, near Tampa Bay. It actually kind of cuts right through here. Hmm. And right here is a location I'm going to need people just to remember. I'm going to mention Panacea, Florida in just a minute. Panacea, Florida is in the next station. Right now we're in uh, Scorpio. We're in the station of Scorpio. We left Libra. We're in Scorpio, and we have one more card to go in Florida under the sign of Scorpio before we cross over into Panacea in the next station, which will be Sagittarius. Uh, but I just wanted to make that note right now. So this card is also in Florida, the death card. And that is incredibly significant to me because people go to Florida to retire and spend the rest of their days. Yeah. 
it's it's pretty profound when you think about the 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 weight and the magnitude of that truth in particular has a lot of uh harmonic value we'll just say so uh i took the state seal of florida and you're going to see in a minute it's it's so similar the artwork is so similar that it almost blends in and you can't even see the seal but i just want people to notice the sunrise and the two towers in the background oh, here christ it's everywhere yeah it is and uh here we have the sovereign is dead this is the death to the king this is the place where jfk died by the way in the in the zodiac this is the fall of the king this is crazy mojo going on and this is a bishop this is a religious figurehead is still alive so the king is dead but this pope with his fucking fish head is uh making amends with uh with this death card uh and taking the children with him like rat singer like the fucking pipe piper rat singer taking the children fuck that's so creepy and so true <laughs> yeah what's up what's up with the flower there what what symbolism oh, is that yep uh that is the symbol the flower of venus uh is a five petaled flower and venus every eight years generates a pentagram in the sky what and it's yes it's absolutely beautiful and um so you could look up the uh the kiss of venus the venus kiss uh and you will see the uh, five petaled pentagram that venus makes it's mind-boggling. It's the kind of thing that'll convert an atheist to a you know a staunch spiritualist at the at the minimum. Uh, that the heavens, the heavenly bodies, make these gorgeous geometric patterns. Gotta look this so, up real quick. Yeah, I think it's Kiss of Venus, and this is part of why the Pythagoreans venerated Venna. Venus Venna rated the uh, pentagram so much because it had the ratio, the rational proportions of Venus. Wow. Yeah, it's super beautiful. And that totally that is. That is definitely that image there. Isn't that gorgeous to even to even know that exists is like truly a magical thing to ponder. Wow. Yeah. So so this is the Florida uh, state flag that I've superimposed onto the death card. And if you look, I'm going to zoom in, but you'll see that the flowers, there's a maiden carrying flowers. She's spilling them onto the earth. And the flowers are the exact same flowers that the death card is, <laughs> is totem. Isn't that something? That is. Even, and here you have a sun, the sun shining in the background, and you even kind of have two towers with these smokestacks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they yeah. are smoking. Yep. Yep. And so that is a, definitely an... Uh, <clears throat> even though uh, that's supposed to be a fucking sailboat. Right. Right. It still corresponds in, with almost, I mean, just mind-boggling accuracy. Um, and then here you have your Tampa Bay Buccaneers which they're like a skull and crossbones, much like this guy is a skull and crossbones. Uh, so now we're going to jump in across out of Scorpio. We're going to move into Sagittarius. So we're, we're leaving Florida in general down here with these two. 
and we're going to jump into uh, temperance, the temperance card. And she, and remember that part I was telling you about panacea right here at the panhandle. Yeah. Panacea is a magical elixir that heals all diseases. What? A panacea is a cure-all. It's an ancient mythological cure-all. And the temperance card is trying to make a cure-all. Oh, there she is. She's mixing. She's blending like a like a Whoa, medicine. Holy master. shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And uh, there's so much going on here. She even has like the old doctor's, uh, the doctor hmm. thing on her head, you know? Hmm. One foot in the water. Yeah. Good eye. Good eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is... Um, I could go, I could go on and on. I got to be real quick, but I'll just say this is number 14 card number 14. And it was the 14th amendment where we lost our footing on the land and we went into Admiralty maritime law. Holy fucking shit. There's no fucking way that that's tied together. That's crazy. And also it probably definitely is. I, yeah. Wow. Did damn. So so 13th. 13th amendment was we freed the slaves and that's the death card it and it has to do with the hanging oh fucus uh-huh yeah oh fucus i saw that right with there. The, you, oh shit yes you got it man oh fucus is right in here with the jfk and all that it's just amazing uh, the consistency it's amazing it boggles the mind so this is the oh so I've done the amendments by the way I've taken the amendments with the tarot oh, cards and shit. put them side by side and there's a lot it's not a it's not as perfect as this but there is a lot of consistency in there uh, one of my favorites is that the 18th amendment was prohibition no more alcohol and uh, and so the 18th tarot card is the moon card well it was prohibition that gave us moonshine. Oh. And so the moon card being number 18 and the 18th amendment being the beginning of moonshine, it's just like, get out of here, get out of here. So this shit is ancient. They've been using this system for a very long time. These numbers have meant, have had this meaning all along, regardless of what the art shows. Or, or they've, we've uh, been, we found it out and we, we observe it. And maybe it's inevitable. Everything's yeah. inevitably gonna. I mean, why wouldn't we follow exactly the sky clock? Why? Why wouldn't it be inevitably timed to this perfect good. equation? Yeah, good call. It's a truth they can't they can't change. So this this happened to me uh, one uh, on Thanksgiving. I was having dinner and somebody told me about Panacea, Florida, and it all clicked in my mind because I got the you know the territories in my head mm. and I'm like Panacea. The temperance card is making, she's creating a panacea, a cure-all. And that's exactly in her territory. So I had to leave the dinner table and go make this little clip right here. Panacea is the goddess of uh, the personification of health, cleanliness, and sanitation. And here is the woodcut from a hundred billion... uh, hundred billion years ago, a woodcut <laughs> of a bunch of grown-ups with their laurels. They're wearing their laurels, which are like virtue signaling. If you've got the laurels, it means that you're acceptable in society. 
and they got the laurels are on this kid. They even got the kid looking like he's all virtuous. And then they're giving him a panacea drug to make him to cure anything. And guess what was in the news that same week of Thanksgiving, which is in the freaking Sagittarius, where we are in the time of year. In the news that week was this picture here. Can you see it? Stop it. it. No. Zoom in a little bit, please. And this is a bunch of people. Let's see. This is a bunch of people virtue signaling with their laurels on. So they look so virtuous. And guess what they're putting on the kid? They're putting his new mask on. He's got a virtual reality goggles on his face so they can inject him with a panacea. What the fucking 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 fuck is that? All that shit happened on the actual week that we were all moving through Sagittarius under the sign of temperance. And temperance is it means to withhold to like to hold back, even though you want to go fucking crazy, you got to look at this picture and practice temperance and not go fucking kill all these people for experimenting on this child. Isn't that crazy? Jesus fucking yeah. Christ. Yeah. So this is <laughs> fantasy. And when they, and so, uh, yeah, there's so much to say, but I'm just going to float that out there for everybody to appreciate. Welcome to my world. <laughs> this is what the news looks like. There's no going it. back. It, yeah, that's so true. So another aspect of this card is like blending of essences, just the right amount, like not too much salt, not too much mercury, just the right amount of sulfur. So they should get it just right. Well, I consider this to be a very powerful uh, correspondence to the island of Haiti and its relationship to the Dominican Republic. And so this is the uh, the patron saint, patroness, uh, of uh, Haiti. She is the lady of perpetual help. And she has been all along. That's the theme of that island. And then the Dominican Republic, they get this other saint, the Mary Mag Magdalena. And I put <laughs> Mary Magdalena effect <laughs> for the Mandela effect. Oh, nice. Uh, but you can see, yeah, but you can see how uh, they're like, the same but different. They have all the same colors, mm -hmm. uh, all, but they're complete different configurations. Um, you see the horns. Wanna, they got uh, the colors. So, they got the the leaves. Hermetic balance. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And also, uh, you know, on the Dominican Republic, she's inside a building. She's in a sacred uh, sanctuary. And on the uh, the Haiti side, she's out in the wilderness. You know, it's very uh, meaningful. I'll just say that. It's very meaningful. Well, geographically, I don't really know where these lie together. I'm not, I'm, I can't picture it in the, on, on, the, on, the, on the map. So can you help me yeah. out? Where, where are they at geographically together? Let, let's see. I think they're just off of the Cuba. Uh, oh, they're just off of my map. They're, they're down here in the Gulf of Mexico. And I think it's just... Oh, okay. So they are really close together. Yeah. Yep. They're just off the coast of Cuba. And the whole island is split in half. And the, the split is very socioeconomic. You know, Dominican wow. Republic is well-to-do. They got baseball. They got tourism. In Haiti, everybody's like, they are in a state of perpetual help. Mm. Uh, 
fucking Hillary Clinton just went down there and stole all their freaking babies after the last hurricane. Uh, because Hillary Clinton wants to pat herself on the back for being the lady of perpetual help. Uh, but that's not helping, that's for sure. So, all right, I'm off my soapbox. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's some shit. I want to steer away from that. That bitch is crazy. Yeah, that bitch is crazy. Speaking of, now we go across to the devil card. Oh, shit. <laughs> and now, so we're coming out of uh, the Dominican Republic and Haiti, and we're uh, moving into Louisiana. In Louisiana has definitely been the sacrificial goat. This is in Capricorn. For sure. Uh, they've been sacrificial goat for a lot of that weather modification bullshit with Hurricane Katrina. So the devil card, it's a, there's a lot to say, but it's kind of self-explanatory. It's got the goat. He's got the goat legs. Mm. Uh, looks like he's got an eye for a vagina. It's all fucking weird. Um, and some of the iconography of the state of Louisiana uh fits perfectly you've got this uh <laughs> oh my dear sweet lord jesus i couldn't help myself i could not help myself so <laughs> here's here's the pope taking a poop on louisiana absolutely positively and when you look at the the logos of this is the state flag it's this uh pelican a Brown pelican is the state bird. And when you look at their old state flag, it even has the fish above the crown. That's the Pope's hat. Is that the miter, the miter hat is a fish hat. And then it's got the bird wings, just like the diabolical devil. Uh, Those crosses are really interesting to me because, you know, alchemically the crosses are, you know, incredibly important. And those are crosses with a cross on each tip so it's like sort of like hermetic or fractalizing or i don't know uh -huh. that's, that's that's wild that's a nut i was just looking at that. that's a cool ass sealed honestly like it is cool yeah like vultures yeah pretty neat avise la fin uh avise la fin. something to, i think it's uh, oh i know i don't know something about the ending yeah, uh, Finn, definitely. Warning. Definitely. Warning to the end. Warning of the end. The end what? Is, yeah, avise is like advise. Or warning or uh, caution. Caution to the end. New Orleans is like always associated with black magic, voodoo. There's like this dark permeating energy that's like there. And it's a huge party central. And you know, like, I mean, you just have to fucking be alive and live in America to know that it has that dark history and deep history. And so, you know, this is just absolutely symbolic in that sense. And it's so crazy because it's the directly south, yes. right? Directly south of where everything begins. Um, and so ah, that is, um, there's a, yeah, yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Very Capricorn oriented for sure. And I'll also, I'll throw this out because uh, our, our buddy uh, Juan and Juan last week, he mentioned um, Cthulhu. Yeah. Cthulhu was, uh, originates in Louisiana in a major way. And I, I'll just put this, I'll be real quick, but Aleister Crowley was in Louisiana having the sex ritual in 1907. And he wrote down the word Cthulhu in his journal that night. And then 19 years later, 
H.P. Lovecraft, in his fiction, writes about a sex ritual happening in Louisiana in 1907, (laughs) where Cthulhu is summoned from that ritual. And so you get the impression they knew each other, or they were, you know, buddies, distant uh, cosmic pen pals of whatever sort, but all of that originates in Louisiana in a major way. So we're gonna we're gonna jump out of uh, Capricorn in Louisiana, and we're gonna finally fill in that blank space of uh, Aquarius into the depth of the darkness of the night, and we go to number sixteen, the Tower card. And we, you know, when people see this today, it's a trigger. This is a powerful trigger. You know, this is the dark night of the soul kind of shit. Thinking about people falling out of buildings, that'll fuck with you nowadays, you know. And just knowing that that's part of that was part of this system before 9-11 happened. You know, the predictive programming is just next level. So it's off the charts. So. This card not only uh, corresponds with um, not just Texas, uh, even more so, it's uh, Oklahoma. Like uh, Oklahoma Uh, and Arkansas. Sooners. Yeah, yep. And uh, so I put this together as a graphic to (laughs) highlight the Oklahoma City bombing up here in this corner. Was Was a tower, was a building being exploded Oh, right? shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 16 is is a powerful uh, symbolic uh, number. That's when Trump came into office. It was the January 6th. That's a one six. The 16, the one to the six is all that's Epiphany Day. Wow. The one plus six equals the seven. I have so much to say and decode about the 16 being the tower, the tower card. But uh, Another explosion happened in Oklahoma, and that was this fella comes pulling in with his RV, his his uh, RV vehicle, and he starts playing a recording. And the recording is announcing to everybody, "Get the fuck out! This thing's going to explode in in twenty minutes." And it does a countdown, and the news gets there, and the bomb people get there, and they clear out all the buildings, and everybody gets away, and the countdown gets down to zero. And the fucking RV explodes and it blows up a uh, uh, AT&T uh, technology uh, headquarters. Oh. Uh, it, it was a big fucking deal in the news. And the, the name the name of the guy that they, the fall guy, they said that it belonged to this poor schmuck here in this picture. Well, he's the fall guy ah. for the story. And the whole fucking thing is just total bullshit because guess what? These these letters are an anagram. Anthony Quinn Warner is an anagram. Warning, they run QAnon. What? His name is a perfect anagram. It's missing the G, but it spells warning, they run QAnon. And this is this was your chance to get off the fucking ship. If you're riding on that QAnon fucking Kool-Aid, you better jump ship because they're running that thing to the fucking ground right now. When uh, did this, I remember it, this happening. This was, um, was this 21 or is it 20? I think 20, no 21. I think 20. And so his name was telling you to not to buy into the Kool-Aid. That was, that was your disclosure. And so, and he was the fall guy. Donald Trump is the fall guy leading us into the fall. 
don't fall for the fucking old tricks. This is all old hat. So the city of Little Rock, Arkansas, it is also in this ter- this zone of the territories. And look at their seal. It has this rock in the water. Well, look at the fucking where the tower is built. It's built on outcropping in the water. Uh, and also you have this. Uh, let's see if I can zoom in on this one. I guess the star itself could be considered the tower or the. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? And so this is another seal for, I think, uh, uh, Arkansas. It's got this. This thing is tipping over, which is interesting. Justice is falling over. It's also got winged characters and light coming out of the heavens. Uh, Just enough to make me think it was significant enough to include. But another thing I like to point out is the the word in God we trust, which is on every dollar bill and has been for almost 100 years. That's an anagram. Tower G in dust. And what happens when you add the one to the six, you get a seven, which is a G. Tower seven in dust. (laughs) So I just like to point these things out for people who don't think that there's a a long game agenda that's been afoot for way before we were all born and it's playing out uh, to a T. So next one is the star card. This is a, I think this is a Crowley star card and there's a lot of uh, derivations on this card. Uh, but I like this one. She's lovely. A lot of balance. I see a lot. The first thing I see is just, nice. I mean, which is, which is pretty much been consistent in all of it is there's always like the hermetic yeah. balance, polarity, duality, you know, gender or whatever, what have you. Anyway, yeah. I'm done. Please continue. <laughs> um, so this, I, I'm not sure what animal this is, but I, I associate it with an ibis which is the bird that Thoth, that's Thoth, is an yeah, ibis. Yes, absolutely. Nice. So this is my uh, add-ons. We are in Texas, the Lone Star State of Texas. It's the star card. You've got the Cowboys, got the star on their hat. Uh, this is the Texas State flag. It's got the star on the flag. Uh, this is their crest of Austin. This is the Austin crest. And it reminds me of her headdress in a major way. You know, um, but it's also like you were saying, it's got the crosses with the crosses on them. Let's see. Can you see them there? Got the crossed crosses. Whoa, dragonfly pendant necklace. Yes. And on her head. Whoa, dragonflies. What the fuck? Yep. As above, so below on that one. So, yeah, that's a that's a lovely card. Um, But, you know, I've corresponded this card. Just to go to kind of jump off topic, but stay on topic, I corresponded this card with the Black Panther in the um, in the Avengers film hmm. series. Interesting. And, and that is very interesting to me because Chad Aaron Bozeman was, he died. And I think of him as a sacrifice, whether it actually happened or not. I don't believe anything they tell us from Hollywood. Uh, I think all of it is occult signaling mm-hmm. but he he passed away um and his initials c-a-b chad aaron Boz, chadwick aaron bozeman that's a cabra cabra is a sacrificial goat 
It was written in his name before any of us even thought he might pass away. Um, so sacrificing him was very much uh, an offering to the current aeon. We are in the age of Aquarius. And so to sacrifice the cabra of Chad Aaron Bozeman, uh, just a, not long after the cabra of Kobe Bryant, those are two sacrificial goats of a very ah, dark. Kobe, K-A-B, cabra. Kobe, B-R, Kobe, bruh. Cabra, Kobe Bryant. Can can yeah. we can we touch on this real quick? Age of Aquarius, Lone Star. I mean, I'm seeing Aquarius vibes here. Um, uh, are we in the sign of Aquarius right now? I think so. Okay, I was gonna say uh, with the water pouring, you know that there being a, yeah. it's an air sign, but also a water sign. And then uh, I see the little yeah. pot up there, the little genie lamp. Yeah, yeah, it's um. You know, one thing that a lot of people kind of go, it's, it's so funny, like people get in this duality of like, is it Aquarius or is it not? Or even is it water or is it air? And the funny thing is, there's like, sometimes there's that third option you hadn't thought of. And I think of it as electricity, the current. Oh. We are currently yes in the currency of an electrical age. Not even so, which is a kind of a happy in between. Oh shit, I lost my spot. So uh, that's just something to kind of plug in for like, if I had to pick one, I would pick the third option. I'd pick option C, none of the above. Yeah, like well, that's that's what the uh, that's why the fifth element is ether, you know, because you have to have the four elements alchemically to create ether. Nice. And that's so you it. have to have the right. You have to have the water and that to have the star, the electricity. Yeah, yes. like because let's not let's not forget, you know, the alchemical number one is Hermes, is Thoth, you know, is right. It's electricity. All of these symbols, they're all they're all harnessing the the ether energy like that's that's is how we get back to how to tap back in into that that ether energy yes sir so we're almost there i'm gonna rip through the last few we're doing pretty good on time let's see yeah um so this is just a quick review and here you can see the aquarius sign sometimes it's like rounded out squiggles but it definitely looks like electricity, right? It's kind of pull. Yeah. Dude, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, pushing the pull. So then we're going to uh, jump across this uh, into Pisces, which is pretty much, you know, by my assessment, like, you know, it cuts part of Texas, cuts part of Arkansas even. Um, but um, one thing I just want to point out, because I discovered this last week, it was in one of my videos, the fact that Phoenix is where it is on the territories is kind of blowing my mind because Phoenix is affiliated with the Pegasus, uh, the, the horse that comes out of Medusa when she gets her head cut off. Um, and sure enough, in the constellations of the heavens, Phoenix is where Pegasus would be, generally speaking, according to my sky map, when you bring the heavens down to earth. So that's kind of neat. Is it, is it because it's the empress like part or close to the empress or what, what's up with that? Um, maybe I think uh, because it's um, I did a four part series on Perseus going around the Zodiac on his adventure to kill the uh, Gorgon Medusa. 
And it was right around this part uh, where he cuts her head off. And uh, when he cuts her head off, uh, Pegasus flies up out of the head. And so I would say that it's almost perfect to have the Phoenix right here uh, in relation to the adventure of Perseus as he goes through the stations of the heavens. Perseus uh, is stationed right here above the emperor, above the ram of Ares. And he goes around clockwise uh, and goes on this adventure. And it is, it's right there where Pegasus comes out of the head of uh, Medusa. And, um, and the next character in the story is the empress. He goes on to uh, Andromeda. The next thing he does is he saves Andromeda. And the constellation of Andromeda is right here in the sky clock. So uh, that might be another graphic to make someday would be all the characters of all the constellations, mm. minus the tarot, minus the cities, but actually have like the the uh, the characters of the constellations put onto a map also. That do would you, take you it wanna, to another. Do you want to wrap wrap up uh, with uh, wrap it out with Sir Matheson? Get a little astro theology, a little combo duo on it. Yeah, brother, that would be crucial. I love that dude. He's got think, such a good temperament. Yeah, I know. I think you guys would vibe super well, honestly. Nice. I would love that, man. Yeah, that would be great. Because that show you guys did had me. I was like trying to go to sleep. It was like I was listening to it late, you know, and I'm trying to go to sleep. But I keep like popping up like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And I'm taking <laughs> notes and writing stuff down. And then. The next day I had to make make a video because you guys filled my cup big time. That was great. <laughs> well, I'm glad, man. I'm super glad. Nice. So the next card is the moon card. And I actually, this is where I take it uh, offshore. Um, these should maybe be reversed. The Empress should be inland and the moon should be out here in the ocean because I associate the moon card with um, Hawaii. And it's it's really powerful. This the, some of these re revelations they like take on a life of their own, and it just it's so convincing to me um, that it's even hard to put it in <laughs> linear words to convey it. But um, so to be to try to be concise, I believe that certain cultures, and I'm just going to use the ancient Hebrews as an example, uh, because there's way more than just that. Just to be, for the sake of being efficient, let's just talk about the Hebrews. They have a lunar calendar. So they worship the moon more so than the sun in just a very interesting way. And also, uh, Sigmund Freud, who was Jewish, he had a theory that I ascribe to that the old Yahweh, not, not today, but the old Yahweh of the Old Testament was a volcano god. And that the thundering god Yahweh of the Old Testament may have been a volcano itself, an actual volcano. And so those two facts that the Hebrews adhere to a lunar calendar, they would venerate the moon in a major way. And the fact that Yahweh might have been a volcano is very, uh, very magical to understand and appreciate in so many ways, because volcanoes are where the rare earth elements come up like an mm -hmm. offering. You would throw in a couple goats and then the volcano would cough up gold, diamonds, 
all this treasure in exchange for your for your burnt offering. So there's so much more to say, but I'm just going to put that out there before we go to the next one. Here's I, another moon I've, card. I've lived in Hawaii for quite some time, uh, for almost a decade, and I'm actually moving back in May. Um, oh, sweet. Yes. And so the, this actually resonates a lot because um, Pele, the volcano goddess, is big in the, you know, you need to make sure that every time you go and see her, you show respect and you give her sacrifices. And that doesn't necessarily mean like living things, you know, it can be anything, any sort of intention. And then you get turned back this, this gifts and um, that hotspot that is current on the big Island that just created a mile of some of the newest earth that we know of a mile of land was created in a week's time. She just spurted out <laughs> a mile, just kept going. Wow. That hot spot is known as the Aleutian chain and is supposedly the same hot spot that created New Zealand and Australia and all the islands in between that are now under that is, underwater. Damn, that is some beautiful magic. That is right? so magical. Oh my god. I gosh. love that. Me too. I love, love that. It's crazy. Uh, so uh here's a, just another moon card and it's got you know dogs like the other one it's got the uh this is mm. um anubis mm -hmm. and um and you know dogs they uh they howl at the moon um and this is where a lot of twilight language comes to the surface in a major way so i have these pictures of hawaii the great island and anubis is a canine right uh -huh. And this is a, this is a volcano, uh -huh. and this is why Tubal Cain and the bloodline of Cain they were craftsmen, they were blacksmiths, oh. they were metal metallurgists, and so the volcano forge. is like the forge. It is the forge. Holy shit! And then also yeah, potentially man. entrance to Hollow Earth. Bingo, bada boom, you got it, man. So, so this I love this Crowley card because look how it looks like a magma flow, you know, coming up out of the belly of the earth. This this little spot right here, fucking no doubt. And then what is that coming? There's an exchange going on there, like those smoke symbols, or what is that supposed to be? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes, those are um, those are I think those are. Yods, those are uh Hebrew yods, which is number 10. Um, which I think corresponds to 90, and I think 90 is a relates to this card somehow. K9, one, yes, Weird. one plus it's the 18th card, one plus eight is nine. Oh, Jesus, nice, <laughs> one plus eight is nine. Oh, that's great. So, K9. So yeah, this is definitely Hawaii, the moon card, uh, Pisces, the two fish going back and forth. Also, Jen Pazaki. <laughs> uh, I correspond this with Jen Pazaki very much because she's got the red hair. I think if I, I'm going, I'm, I'm digressing. <laughs> so uh, Magdala is, uh, is Hebrew for a, a tower, a strong tower, Magdala. And so Mary Magdalene, uh, is a strong tower. And uh, here we have these two lighthouses, again, with the two towers, because um, we're about to cross over uh, 
the spring equinox. We're coming out of Pisces. And we're about to go across the boundary with the uh, equinox line into the sign of Aries is the next card. So magma. Yeah, man. Yep. So we're leaving the uh, Hawaii. We're going back to the mainland. And that, oh. that card shows a lot of exchange. What I'm seeing is there's this, oh, like, yeah. there's a lot of exchange happening. And yes, wow. totally. And you know what? I forgot I did this next card. This is my mainland version of it on Ca in Southern California. This is the Chargers. This is like an electric charge getting exchanged, just like Cathode you were saying. Anode. Holy shit. Bzz. Bzz. Making that connection. Yeah. Fuck. And then here's the San Diego Guardians. And these two guys are like the Guardians standing over the threshold. Anu here. Anubis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, another thing, I think this beetle, uh, it doesn't, it looks kind of like a cockroach, which is typical Crowley bullshit. Uh, I think it should be a beetle because uh, the beetle is scarab because that's the initiation. The beginning of the Egyptian myth is starts with the, with the Kepri beetle. That totally, so, totally looks like the classic Egyptian where it has the sun and its pinchers and full. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, you know, there's probably a lot of, palmetto bugs out in hawaii so maybe there's something appropriate about that so this is the city of san diego uh seal from california and look at it it's got here i'll zoom in it's got pillars it looks just like the damn moon card oh, fucking a it's got and the it, above the below oh the bell the fucking bell yeah Dude. in the bell it's even got red on one side yellow on the other and another boat in the pillars. seal yeah, and always vigilant, uh, which, which is like the guardians. Kind of crazy. What are those two that, little that uh, like, wheel things there? What is that? Those look like. Uh, I think that yeah, I think those are wheels. Oh, okay. They kind of reminds me of the, of the red wings a little bit. Yeah, so that one was uh, pretty powerful. That the standards of. Uh, San Diego correspond with the moon card, uh, which all fits into my territories. So the next card we go, we, we're going into the spring across the spring equinox. And now we're in uh, the card, num the sun card, which is number XIX, which is 19. Um, and this is this little baby on the horse. This is Perseus, who sometimes is depicted riding on Pegasus. So here, I'll, I'll just show you. So sometimes in the myth, Perseus rides on Pegasus. In other myths, he just flies around with his magical boots. But um, they are right next to each other in the sign of Aries, uh, which I've shown here in this constellation. Let's see if I can zoom in. Yeah. So uh, this I've actually, this should be flipped around and reversed. Put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Uh, because... This is what it looks like when we look at the heavens, but when we put it down in front of us on the ground, it would be inverted. But uh, Perseus is right next to Andromeda, who he rescues. Andromeda is on the shoreline. She's being sacrificed to a sea monster, and he kills the sea monster and saves her. Um, and that's the, what this is, the state seal of Oregon, I believe. And uh, this is much like Andromeda, 
next to the ocean where Perseus saves her. And Andromeda's mother, Cassiopeia, uh, was raped by Neptune, I believe. So that's why she's holding this oh, Neptunian trident. I was just about to ask about that. Uh, yeah. So uh, this could be Cassiopeia or it could be Andromeda herself. It like, But the thing is, they're right next to each other in the sky clock in this sign of Aries. They're right basically on top of each other, almost interchangeable. And Cassiopeia, I just noticed her uh, her constellation is a like a sideways W or an epsilon. Mm. And if you turn that up right, you get a trident, a three pointed oh. trident. Oh shit! That's so the uh, the Andromeda Cassiopeia being so similar, close together, I guess could be like yo, like this is the birth. Yeah. They they are mother daughter kind of combo. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. And and I think that they get switched in mythology a lot too. Their characteristics are a little bit interchangeable. So we're in uh we're in uh, northern California where we have a broad swath of land here covered by this sign. Uh we're also in Oregon and we're in Washington. All of those locations are included in the sun card. It's it's very the pie wedge is very broad at that segment of the uh of the united states so i've got the state of oregon and this kind of blew my mind when i realized that perseus who is just on uh just on this side of the aries he's holding the gorgon perseus is on the coastline holding the head of the gorgon holy just shit. off the coast of oregon <laughs> so from now on whenever i see oregon i'm going to think of the gorgon um but they have this setting sun on their state logo here uh very much like the sun card is all about the sun it's where the oro is gone this is where the sun goes away the gold goes away mm. oro gone uh so yeah a lot of aspects of the iconography of the of that area it's all hails back to Perseus and the Gorgon, uh, Pegasus, Andromeda, Cassiopeia. Um, let's see. And so next, uh, put the sun card. Oh, I just did some digging on Cal uh, Colorado um, because it, you can see how like from here, the dividing line goes pretty much like up near St. Louis and right there is the dividing line for all of Aries. So it gets yeah. all of this coastline. But Denver is a real powerful, convincing Aries correspondence because the state animal is the longhorned ram. Colorado has this, uh, the longhorned ram. And the sign for Aries is the ram sign. And here's the seal of the state of Colorado. And... It's got an XIX. Oh, shit, it has the fascies. Very subtly encoded. And the fascies, the freaking Fauci's right there. <laughs> <laughs> and XIX is, num is number 19. And this, we're on card number 19. Holy shit, they snuck so, that in there. Uh, they snuck was, that in there. They, they snuck it right in front of us. And so I looked up what this uh, sil, excuse me, nil scene. Numene. And when you look it up in the internet, it says 
nothing without power. That's a very atheistic way to phrase what it actually means. Nothing without divine will. There's a big difference between power and divine will. The internet is scrubbing the divine. It's mm-hmm. taking the divine out of what it truly was intended to mean. And I'll just point out that Colorado is where the bunker for NORAD and the military industrial complex, that's the entry to hollow earth, all the fucking dumbs, all the, f- the crazy conspiracy you could ask for is right there. And the fasces, man, like just being there to kind of like put into play, like, Hey, you know, the divine will can be, we- you can wield this through the divine will of understanding through right. the divine will of occultic, you know, uh, lineage, um, and, and we're still trying to figure yeah. out the fasces, man. Like that's a that's a deep, deep old uh, piece of tech there. That's crazy. Yeah, good call. Yeah. So jumping down, we're almost there. We got just a couple more here. So um, this one I put together for the Sun Card. This is kind of where uh, San Francisco. You go across the bridge, thirty seventh degree parallel. Is the uh, bridging the gap from the spring equinox? So uh, the Saint Francis. So I put Sun Francisco because it's the Sun card. But Saint <laughs> Francis, who the city is named after, <laughs> he had uh, the ability to speak with animals. He spoke to animals, and if you look at the spokes of this Sun card, there are all the animals of the zodiac between the spokes. So I think that's interesting that St. Francis spoke to animals and their animals in the spokes here. And up here we have uh, George Washington uh, is on the seal of the state of Washington, which doesn't really make any sense. Um, But George means the plotter. uh, And it also relates to the tiller, the plotter, like plotting the soil and tilling the soil. Well, this this wheel that used to steer the ships is called a tiller. So the name George corresponds to a a, a, a plow, something that plows the earth, and it also corresponds with the tiller wheel that steers ships. Hmm. And so this is Washine Washine Tin. This is the town of Shining, where the sun goes down over the sky, and this is the. Uh, uh, the Washington Memorial, the big freaking dome where Washington is sitting, having an orgy in heaven. The apotheosis <laughs> of Washington. Oh, shit. Uh, hold on. I lost my place again. So we got two more cards and we're good to go, homie Romy. Thanks for hanging in there with me, man. Dude, I mean, we could keep keep on going. I'm assuming you're going to hop over to the weave. So, uh, yeah, if you want to come, you come join me. If you if you're feeling, take a break and come back. Jump in. I'll send you a link. Oh man, I'm down. Sign me up. Oh, all right, sweet brother, sweet. <laughs> okay. I mean, if I if you guys will have me, I'm down. Oh yeah, we yep, we totally will have you. All right, that's great. So uh, we're turning the corner. We're leaving the Sun Card and uh, we're coming out of Washington. I could go on and on about Seattle and the Starbucks. So the Starbucks Mm-mm. logo is the Gorgon. It's yeah, the Starbucks logo is Medusa. Uh, it's the she viper, and having it here again goes back to having Perseus right over the ram over here. 
So having Starbucks Central in that location is not fucking a coincidence whatsoever. Please, anybody who has any doubt and anybody who you know who has any doubt, send them my way. <laughs> I want to shine some light on this Washine tone uh, too, because yeah. I'm yeah. born and born and raised in Washington. Um, so oh. you go right on the other side of the Puget Sound there, right? And yeah. that's where I was yeah. born. It was called Port Angeles is the name of the town. And tectonically speaking on tectonic plates, you have the Strait of Juan de Fuca plate, which is like this big. And then you have the Pacific plate, which yeah. is huge. And then the North American plate. And there's this tiny little plate. And that's why Wa or Seattle constantly has. And, you know, the fault line is obviously all the way down the West Coast. They always have tremors. They always have uh, earthquakes. It's always like there's always magmatic uh, electromagnetic energy flowing through there um, because of that wow. tiny little thing. And it sinks down. That's why the Puget Sound is there. It's lower than the the Pacific and the North American plate. And it's just this little plate aggravating these two. And, you know, you have a lot of that energy going on there. You have BC. Uh, you know, British Columbia yeah. and Seattle and shit. And it's, it's just like, yeah, there's some real crazy occultic shit. I haven't even really broken down Seattle, but if someone wants to, I, I please do it. Dude, you're, you're splitting my brain open to whole new levels with this. Cause we have plates and I'm talking yeah. about Plato, Pluto, Plato, oh, all of Plato even relates to this word. And also tiller to like till the earth. Yeah. Nothing tills the earth better than a fucking earthquake. Holy shit. Man. Isn't that crazy? You're you're splitting my brain on a whole new level, man. The earthquake. I didn't think of that. So yeah, the plots, the plates, all relating to George. George is like to gorge, to gorge the earth. Um, Whoa. he was actually named by the natives. Yeah, the native people uh called him burner of cities. Was his, uh, I think they gave it to his, I don't know. I, I know that it, he inherited the name, the burner of cities when he was in the military. And people don't talk about that, that he was, he, he was not looked upon favorably by the indigenous folks. Mm. So we only got two more to go. We've, we've gone all the way around, coming around on the second pass. And now we're up here. This is the judgment card. Uh, that that's second to last number 20 and then 21 is over here in the world card and so this is one of many judgment cards it's an angel she's blowing her horn uh we're in the sign of taurus uh corresponding with the hierophant card and sign of taurus right here with the horns see the, how the sign has its horns mm. and she's wearing a she's blowing a horn this is the time of year when trump announced that he was going to run for president was under this sign. He was blowing the trumpet, blowing the horn, <laughs> announcing his attack. The Trump at. So you got it. So I did a little messing around with this symbol. Oh, and one more thing uh, above the bull. This is the bull uh, of Taurus. Just above the bull, there is a really neat sign that we're studying a lot right now. Um, called uh auriga auriga a-u-r-i-g-a and it is a chariot uh constellation which 
corresponds with cancer over here with the six to the nine. Uh, and I can't, I don't know why it's two signs away from where I think it should be. Maybe it travels. Um, may, yeah, maybe, maybe there's some movement. Maybe that's its range. It goes back and forth somehow, but uh, it is uh, just on the horns of Taurus. And you'll hear a, a origa come up in the conversation. And it has to do with a, a, a character, a mythological character who is born with serpent legs. It's a really interesting story. Uh, I think I have a graphic in here to share, but it, uh, he's got a goat on his shoulder. And the shape of his constellation is a pentagram. He's got a five sided or a pentagon, a pentagon, a five sided shape with a goat that he's carrying. And anybody who knows about pentagrams with goats knows that that's like a highly satanic symbol uh, in the occult world. So we're kind of working on de-occulting that. And I'll, I think that'll come up here in a couple slides. But I wanted to give context uh, for that. The, the horns and the uh, the chariot and the, the goat in the chariot is about to be a thing in just mm. a couple slides. So this is the judgment card. I think of this as extreme north. Um, so I correlated it with Canada. Viva Canada. Save Canada. <laughs> so I put the Canadian flag. I put a bunch of fucking Castros down here. Three Castros. And I fucking fuck, fuck Trudeau. Um, and then I just put this Auriga uh, in the mix just to kind of make a mental note. Because that'll probably come up on the weave tonight with spiders and it's a kind of a, a big deal just realizing the meaning of that. Wow. Um, so then we jump into the world card, and this is the final card. And this, again, you see, it's just like the wheel of fortune with those four corners. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, four. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it takes, it takes a while to see where the three is hiding. The three is so subtle. Her, her drape is yeah. the three. Yep. You see it? Perfectly. Once you point it out, you can't unsee it. So it, we got one right. foot again, one foot. So she is encoding the three. One foot. Yep. And so uh, this one is the four to the three. The DC adds up to a seven. And in Hebrew, the word for seven is ayin. And because she is uh, at the northernmost uh, pinnacle, she's up above the twins card. She's the eye in the sky. Wow. The eye in the sky all encodes the North Star. Oh. All pointing at a polar cosmology where they venerate that North Star at the top of the tower. This is the tippy tippy top of the tower. You know what and that reminds me of so a little bit? Yeah. Is that yeah. that that episode of Weave I was on was like the number sixty four, and we were going in on Mario sixty four that game, and when you stand on the sun and you look directly up, you into the eye of the castle, you get into a secret level and then you start flying up through the clouds and shit. <laughs> You're flying. You're flying high. <clears throat> totally. Crazy. So I looked up, I think this is the Saskatchewan flag. 
which is right above Minnesota. It's in the, the segment of the territories. And when I looked up the Saskatchewan flag, you see this British doohickey, the whatever, the Jack, the Jacob, the Surplanter, the Jacob, the flying jack off, whatever the British flag is. Double and it cross. Has those four corners. Kind of double cross, motherfuckers. I hate that. I hate that shit. <laughs> and then it's got this over here, which has a four, the four corners. And then it's got the three with the three leaves. Oh shit. And that is part of part of their flag it has the four to the three. All I've never seen that flag with before. the four corners of this card. I know it's, it was really obscure to me, but I was glad it had all the ingredients I needed. I was like, this shit is like building itself. I almost don't have to work. All, I mean, I don't, I'm not cherry picking. All I do is I type in the flag of the state, the flag of the Capitol. And the and the information I I almost never have to pass it up because it just self provides. You built the foundation, crazy. brother. You built the foundation, so, and then everything fits into it. Nice man, nice. I'm glad you dig it because uh, it is. It's a, it's a lot to go through, and I'm glad you took the time with me because we we that was quite an adventure. Um, Shit, but it has that consistency, you know. Yeah, the hallmark of truth for sure. So. What's uh, that? You know, someday maybe I'll calm down. Go ahead. Uh, what's that symbol like you see where, or right where your mouse is to the right? That's on multiple tarot cards. That little signature. Uh, this to, is the no down more. Oh, that thing. Of, yeah, I see, I've seen that on multiple cards. So this tonight. I think that is the signature of the um, of the writer white. Rider weight tarot deck. I think that's their, uh, you know, the the brand of tarot is the rider weight tarot, and I think that's their signature that they uh, that they put on almost all the somewhere hidden in all the pictures. Okay, all right. I'm gonna write that. So down. It's, like, it's like they're putting their, yeah, it's like they're putting their claim on the art. It's a, uh, it's spelled really weird. R A I D E R W A I G H T or maybe E I G H T writer weight and uh and it is a it's a very old uh or it's a fairly old uh deck uh, it's been around for much longer than I think oh okay that's what the name of the symbol is? Oh, uh, no, no. That was just kind of a visualization I was getting. Uh, just like, oh. I was like, oh, it's, it reminds me of a coil. It reminds me of like a, like an energy symbol. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I've got just a couple more things to share real quick. We won't get into this tonight, but this is the same, uh, the same recipe laid out on the globe oh my god yes and one thing that's kind of yes and we could do this another time because it is it's actually quicker i haven't done as much work on the global one but it does fit it works the same system works on the on the macro as well as the micro and this needs a little bit of an adjustment like i kind of want it to shift north a little more or maybe my aries and my taurus need to come up a little just a little bit but um uh, just a quick teaser on how this 
how this holds true, how there is consistency on this as well, is I was uh, listening to Michael Wan and Ross Ben one day, and they were talking about an empress, a uh, sacred ancient empress in California. And I was like, huh, the empress card is over there on the extreme west side of my of the zodiac. That's interesting. And then my mind went to in correspondence style. I was like, well, go 180 degrees and where do you land? And I'm thinking in my head, well, Michael Wan and Ross Ben are wrapping some ancient civilizations. And my mind goes to the opposite end of the spectrum. I come up here to the Virgo and I realize, oh my gosh, all of the cultures in this area, Tibet, Korea, Japan, they all have isolationist mentalities. They spent many, many hundreds of years defending their territory. Mm -hmm. Even China has the wall. Mm-hmm. And they all have isolationist mentalities. And that is a, si- a signature of the hermit. The hermit loves to be left alone, to be sealed off, to have a wall, a perfect wall, hermetically sealed, so that they're removed from the rest of the world. And so my mind started to explode. And that's when I uh, went into the territories of the globe. And there's a lot to say about having the hanged man down here and the land down under with Australia, but it was almost a month or two months later that I found out there is such thing as a hermit kingdom. And when you look up a hermit kingdom, they talk about Japan, they talk about Korea, they talk about uh, kingdoms that love to be left alone, that they're isolationists. And so I intuited this truth uh, a little bit on my own with a little help from Mike and Mike Lawan and Ben, uh, Ross Ben. But uh, sure enough, the more I look into it, the more I realize uh, there's consistency here as well. So I just thought I'd share that because that was kind of a fun realization. And I'll spare you guys the drag through the mud on all of these. But one thing I I will point out to you, brother, because I know you're going to dig this, homie. (laughs) The tower card, that collapsing tower, it's right here in that uh, near Cuba, Atlantis. Oh my the God. Bimini Road and all that totally oh comes into God. play right there uh, with the tarot card. So uh, that's just a glimpse at the global one. And here's a graphic I made about that the charioteer, this Auriga. You can see he's a, let's see, you can see the pentagram shape. Almost looks like, like Coco Pelli. Auriga. Oh, kind of. Yeah, you're right. And he is jumping over. He's like jumping over the bull. And he's got uh, capella, means uh, little goat, capilla. And um, and I think it relates to Mithras as well, because Mithras is always jumping over the bull. Um, but then oh, I was like capella. thinking about pentagons oh. and goats, pentagons and goats. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was actually Say speaking out loud. I, I, was, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was speaking out loud. Uh because there's a Calpella like right up the road from here in California. And I'd never seen that word before. So it's like, oh, shit, there's a Calpella here. And then I totally ru- ruined it your flow. My apologies. No, that's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So that means little goat. And then so I put Billy Goat Gates inside of this pentagram <laughs> because he's a goat. <laughs> oh. And he works for the Pentagon down here. And here's the name of that character, the mythological character. If anybody wants to look him up, Eric Thonius. 
Eric Thome. And big up to uh, Mario Garza from Symbolic Studies for bringing this Eric Thonius to our attention because uh, I think that some very nefarious agendas in this world, they venerate this constellation and they keep it a secret uh, in a major way. But if you think of the Pentagon as a charioteer or somebody who's driving agendas in the world, it starts to have a lot of consistency in a major way. So I just thought I'd share that. And then I think I got, this is a big one. This. Oh God. Ottawa on, on the map, it lands in under the chariot under cancer, the sign of cancer. <laughs> so if you, if you draw a line from Cayenne to Aki, the dividing line is right here. And all of this is Leo. All of this is Maine, the lion, Cincinnati, the tigers. All this is cat territory. And just across this river in this body of water is all chariot. And what's happening right now in main, in mainstream news, there's a, a conflagration of chariots Trump assembling chariots. in Ottawa. Auto. Ah. Ottawa, Ottawa. So I put this all together. This is Auto Ottawa bots. Let's roll out. Wow! <laughs> and then there's that little symbol, that little wheel symbol up top of the uh, the water cross there. Uh, wow! What you got it, dude? The gears. My God, dude! My God. Yeah, man. <sighs> yeah. So territories, territories confirmed. Ottawa bots. Let's roll out with Optimus Prime, who we were just studying last the other day. You and I were doing fucking Transformers, finding out that they are all cancer signs. They're all under the sign of cancer, which is perfect correspondence to this Ottawa. And then uh, big up to uh, Kylie from the Weaving Spiders crew and the Telegram. She was telling me that not only uh, that that's not all there is in Canada. She says that Windsor is the automotive center of canada which is also in the sign of the chariot all oh, corresponding detroit right probably the right there too isn't that uh yes yep. crazy dude crazy yeah so that was a big revelation for me because a lot of people i mean i believe a lot of this stuff happens organically and i think a lot of it is planned out a lot of it is you know set into motion on purpose um, but the really stunning thing is that it corresponds to the event, to the dynamics of the, of the heavens, you know, and when you, uh, if you, if anybody goes and watches my most recent videos, I did a thing about the great honkany and I'll just point out that. So here, can you see, this is the cancer up here with the chariot. It's at exactly a hundred, well, not exactly. It's nearly 180 degrees off from a constellation down here that we just went through because we're in Aquarius right now with February. A couple weeks ago, when the great honking was happening up here in Cancer, down here on the actual calendar in time, we were going through a constellation called Cygnus. And Cygnus is a swan, and swans are known for honking. Mm -hmm. And they were used as an alarm system. 
Mm-hmm. They, uh, the pharaohs and the Romans and the Chinese have used swans and geese as alarm birds for the geese and the swans starts to make a ruckus. You know that an invading force is coming. And so the horn is a warning sign. And this is also uh, this is also why the Rams had to win the Super Bowl. Because the ram's horn is a shofar, and the shofar is a horn that you blow uh, to tell the the troops to start charging. It's also the ram's horn is used to fill up the musket so you can load it up before you shoot the gun. So all of these things are initiation markers, and something big has been initiated officially as of this month, and it corresponds with the great honking. And the Cygnus down here and the warning signs, even having the Rams win the Super Bowl, uh, all very indicative of major change on the wins. Awesome. So that's it. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. If you guys aren't down with that, you need to wake the fuck up. Okay. This is, <laughs> this, I mean, this, this, and Gabe's work is just continuously flowing you, you know he set the foundation and so all he's doing now with his videos is finding out more details y'all and breaking through each time i watch a video it's more breakthroughs and more breakthroughs and what i thought was cool i didn't know if you knew this or not but our theme this month on the show is divine feminine and you just did a video on the dark oh, divine no. feminine and that's our theme this entire month on, on rising from the ashes so every episode is dedicated i had no idea yeah man we're going deep on divine feminine this month <laughs> wow wow that blows my mind it's, oh let's see uh, massive amounts of um beautiful uh synchronicities you know because we're just doing this we're doing the work we're doing the fucking work and there was one yeah, thing I'm, I- I'm really nervous about about that i'm glad you like it because i feel bad i don't want to be like you know dogging anybody's spirituality i don't want to dog it at all but the, I, what i do want to dog is the jesuits and finding out that the you know that the jesuits have like a a Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, no, we're good. Uh, Yeah, finding out that the Jesuits are like worshiping this uh, this Medusa, Gorgon, Cybel, whatever you want to call her. uh, I'm like, no, no, we're good. We don't need any of that in our lives. So I just want to call her out, uh, call out that particular dark goddess. So that, you know, the so that we can clear the good name of the divine feminine, you know, uh, doesn't have to be any sacrificing of flesh or obedience, you know, not in the context of what those Jesuits are into. So that's kind of my angle. Uh, I, I hope I don't piss anybody off. They'll, they'll always flip it in their favor. That's for sure. Um, oh, I, I here we go. Here we go. I wanted to show you this, too. Can you see the screen as well? Let's see. Not yet. I just gave it back to you. Um, I don't see anything yet. I just see us. Okay. Uh, is it all? No. 
Okay, let me stop it and go back again. Because it was just one thing. The only I only looked up one thing while you're going because I was trying to pay attention to the visuals. How about now? Yes. Says you is not yet. It says you've started screen sharing, but I don't see it yet. Oh, damn it! Well, it's uh, it's basically you know it's I mean? you can Google it easily. It's the Cathedral of Saint Helena, um, which was talking earlier about a tone heals a man this is a basilica so it has a built-in organ and it is just fascinatingly beautiful and we can go into the story nice. of how they tell us it was built and um you're gonna oh, find a, a bunch I think, of flaws. hold on i see I, I see something i see something moving let me there now i see it okay there we go look at this yeah dang like it just that is lovely in the mountains this old resonant architecture just oh shit i completely fucked that one up but yeah man and look they got in the they got the water here um they got a pool yeah. in there for 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 christening and all that but we all know what these were built for these were built for 100% alchemical alchemical properties um as far as from the, yeah. the glass and ev everything everything is alchemical and it's beautiful but yeah but Gabe this has been amazing um I'm going to upload this probably as soon as possible I'm just going to go and probably try to upload it right afterwards so it's just available for everybody cuz you know, we did this a couple months ago and then I lost it. So I want people to get your shit as soon as possible. But, uh, you know, anything else you want to give the good people before we sign off? Uh, I'll just give a few shout outs to my crew. You know, uh, uh, I'm on Slick Dissident is my YouTube channel. Uh, you check me out there. But I'm also uh, very frequently uh, with Chance Garten on the uh, Interverse podcast. And also he's got a Vibrant that he does uh, on YouTube and Rockfin and uh, all over the place. Uh, but check out uh, Chance and the Interverse and then uh, Weaving Spiders Welcome on Saturdays. Uh, we go into the wee hours, which is why I'm drinking coffee right now, because we're about to go weave all the way into Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be a good old time. So come check us out over there. We're, uh, we're having good times with the synchronicities. And uh, I'm going to shoot you a link so you can come join us tonight. All right, homie. All right, brother. I will see you over there. Much love, brother. This was great. Thank you so much for letting me get this out. It's, it's so nice to have like, it's so much information and I just got to flow on through. And that was great. That was great. This was my first time going through it all uh, with the new material. So thank you so much. You did a great job, man. And everybody's going to love it, bro. Right on, brother. Right on. All right. Much love, everybody. Peace.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Devil's Advocate. I'm Danny Naki Dan. I'm here with Slick Dissident, Gabe. How's it going, Gabe? Wonderful, wonderful. You like to go man. by Slick or just no, uh, Gabe? Gabe or... is good, yeah. <laughs> Gabe right is on, perfect. Man. Right on, man. How you doing, man? Uh, wonderful, wonderful. I'm having a, a very nice uh, day of recovery. We did a real late, long show on Saturday with the Weaving Spiders. Yeah. And uh, and I just slept most of yesterday, <laughs> so, so I feel like I'm a day behind, but that much more uh, invigorated. Yeah, ready yeah. To hit the ground running. Yeah, I just got back from a trip with uh, Roman in San Francisco yesterday. So uh, I have I took some days off for that, and then it happened to connect into my day off for my work. So I just took an extra day and. I don't go back to work till Thursday now. So nice. I'm just taking a little chill time and whatnot. You know, I'm all hyperactive right now, kind of in a way from being in the city with all the people, you know, and like, I get that, like, uh, that, like, I got to do something type vibe, mm. you know, I got to do something. I got to like, I don't know. So it's from being on a scooter for a couple yeah. hours. Yeah, dude, dude, that was so much fun just driving in and out of traffic. And because uh, you have to drive on the street on the scooter and uh, you got the trolley cars coming by and everything. And uh, it's it's so fucking crazy. But it's it was uh, super enjoyable to just cruise around. The hills kind of sucked, though. You had to, like, pedal up the hill and ain't. An eight mile an hour scooter does not go up a San Francisco hill, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, we went and checked out a comedy show. Oh, nice! Yeah, and so it was cool. And then the Friday, and then that was Saturday night. And then Friday night, we went to a bar and watched some live music. And I was like, oh my god, live music comedy show, just like unheard of these days <laughs> good times real good times yeah so did, just did, did people generally have their faces out so you could see smiles and humanity uh for the most part you know every place we went was pretty cool we didn't wear masks at all awesome. the only time we did have to wear a mask was uh after we rode the scooters to the other side of town we had to take a bus back to where we were uh, yeah. uh, because the scooters are kind of expensive to to rent out so we took a public bus and then on that public bus they make you wear a mask but we went into other places to eat no mask nice uh oh a bookshop required us to wear a mask and we're like nah we're not gonna go in there then <laughs> yep. uh but but the bus and public transportation like i get it to an extent you know mm-hmm. and i wasn't didn't really want to but also didn't really want to walk all the way back to the hotel room. <laughs> so got you got to pick your uh you got to pick your battles, you know what I mean? And that so was true. a battle yeah. that I was going to lose, so <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we had to do it for that. But other than that, nothing, man. Nice. It was actually pretty good. No poo poo on the streets. There's homeless <laughs> people everywhere and weird cracked out, drugged out who knows what kind of new drugs they were on people yeah uh yelling at cars and trucks and uh you know i saw one guy pushing his 
whole big old shopping cart with a big old bag of uh, cans on it. Mm-hmm. And each time he moves, he would drop one bottle, pick it up, put it back on there, <laughs> move yeah. another two feet, drop another <laughs> bottle, pick it yeah. up, move it on. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, like you need to get a better method of going on here, bro. You're not <laughs> yeah. gonna make it anywhere like that. Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, I've had a couple really interesting, just maybe, maybe you could call them revelations about San Francisco. Ever since this whole, you know, the pooping on the street thing has yeah become kind of a trope. I, I can't even remember how long that's been, but maybe a decade now. Um, uh, has it been that long? I remember like about six years ago or so, I was dating a, a girl mm-hmm. uh, different from now. And uh, when we went, we went to San Francisco together on a trip and there was shit on the street at that time. Yeah. And it was yeah. fucking gross. But this time there wasn't. So okay. I was actually surprised about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like they've gotten a little ahead of the game, cleaning up after folks out there. But one thing that I found just kind of magical about of all the cities to have, uh, you know, people behaving so animalistically, San Francisco's namesake is Saint Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And Saint Francisco is famous because he could speak to animals. Really? And that makes it incredibly apropos that the streets are swarming with people who are in such a primitive mind state you could say yeah uh, behaving very animalistically and that saint francis would have been like the the mediator for the these masses these droves of uh you could say uh well it's definitely a zoo there that's for sure right right (laughs) and i think that i think that that is by design i envision it like mordor Hmm. And I think that, you know, there are people in high towers with influential positions Uh, and and go-betweens, and they need an army of of drones, people who are highly programmable uh, to even, and that army of drones lays cover for their coming and their going and their maneuvering. Hmm. Um. So I I have a, a particular group in mind, and the I call Mordor. Them, yeah, 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 more. Yes, the, the portal to the underground, the subterranean realms, or you wherever. Yeah, yes. the Mordors. <laughs> so, so I learned something well, I like- about about a week ago. I learned that um, the Mormons, Mormon, yep, have animosity. They're in Utah. They're mm-hmm. posted up in Utah, just off the border there. And they have animosity towards the Scientologists. Hmm. And this is who I, I'm seeing. The, I call them the CIA Entologists. <laughs> and I'm quite sure. Sh- yes, I'm quite sure the CIA Entologists are sitting in the towers of Mordor through San Francisco uh, calling shots from high places, but uh, I just yeah. I love to find out that there is legitimate animosity amongst these influential powers, you know. And anywhere I can put a dividing line is very helpful for me. Yeah, yeah, that's so, pretty interesting. Yeah, Mordor, so Mordor, I like that. That's ringing in my head now. 
Uh-huh. Uh yeah, we, we went into a big church, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it was a newer one. It's not like very Tartarian. It was newly built neo-gothic church, but it's huge. And the inside, there's all kinds of uh uh like frescoes and paintings and and uh, all kinds of crazy architecture going on and everything. And uh we we walked in and there's people in there and we're like because we're stoked to get inside to like check it out and uh we we made a full loop so i know you like to talk about synchronicity so when we first got into the area we were in a car right and we saw uh, this lady on the street and roman hollered out the window and he was like hey is there any uh places to park around here like where do we go you know like parking garages we haven't seen any parking garages because there's nowhere to park on the street. It's impossible. And uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, there's a parking garage right there. See where the sign says uh, parking and you can go in there and park. It's, it costs 20 bucks for the whole day. Luckily, we were there at like three in the afternoon. And mm-hmm. so we parked there until like 10 o'clock. So it wasn't too bad. Right. But if you know, but if you we, if we were there later in the day, you'd pay 20 bucks for park for two hours. That would suck. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're like, oh, cool. Thank you. Uh, you know, have a good day, you know, uh, appreciate you helping us out, you know, and everything. And everybody was really cool, man. Uh, everybody was pretty nice. Uh, some, some people you could tell there's maybe a lot of tourists there cause a lot of people didn't know where anything was. And a lot of people that worked at places, it seemed like they pretty much just worked there and didn't have any other life <laughs> because you would ask them where other things were. And they'd be like, I have no idea. I just work here all day. <laughs> And this is all I do and go home and, uh, <laughs> because they have to pay for rent for in San Francisco. They probably have like two or three jobs. They probably just work everywhere and don't, don't, uh, <laughs> don't do anything for themselves. Yeah. Which is pretty it's, sad. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing how people get into a rut and just coming along to strike up a conversation is too much for them yeah. to get out of their comfort zone sometimes. Yeah. So so we parked in the parking garage right downtown, uh, and that's where we saw the comedy club, and then that's why we came back the next night to go to it. And then uh, so we walked all the way around there, all the way up the streets and down all the way to the Embarcadero and all the way back up to the church where we parked next to. And nice. so we go, we go, we finally were like, we need to go back into the church, man. Yeah. So we go into the church. Because it was open this time, the gates were open because there were people in there. Because it was blocked before, we couldn't go inside. And so we go inside. I walk all the way up to the front where there's like a group of people. And uh, she's like, hey, I see you found parking. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, thank you. That was you. Thank you for helping us out earlier. Nice. Yeah, she was. So she was. uh, Yeah, she helped us find the parking and she was the one in the church and we so this was over like four hours later yeah four hours later that she was in the church uh watching and i was like oh is this like a private thing or you know are we allowed to be in here right now i feel like like maybe we're not supposed to be in here because uh seems like people are gathering for something right Mm -hmm. she's like oh no you're fine and i was like cool so like in in all the little side areas there's like uh statues and figures and stained glass and paintings and everything and i was just 
wanted to like go around and look at all of them and kind of observe the symbology and everything, you know? Yeah. Did you get and, some pictures? Um, no, because there's people in there and I wasn't sure if I was allowed to like take pictures or not. Okay. And then we did get some, a couple pictures in some of the rooms. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cause off, off to like the back of the uh, church where you walk in, you know, mm -hmm. so it's either the front, it's kind of just where you walk in and off to the side right there. There was, uh, there was like Mary in a fucking cave. Yeah. Like, like a grotto. Yeah, it, and it was like uh, made, you know, it wasn't a painting or a fresco. It was like a whole like wall relief of her yeah. in a cave with yes. a statuesque and everything. Yes. And then uh, and then there was other ones that we were going to go to, too. But as we were going into the next ones to check them out, uh, the lights, the preacher or whatever, the father came on the mike was like okay we're gonna turn the lights down and we're gonna go through the stations of the cross so everybody gets seated and we're like oh shit we just wanted to come in here and check shit out we didn't want to go to a mass you know uh -huh, uh -huh. and then uh he's like let's get out of here and i was like well <laughs> i was like i'm like well, okay well whatever dude we whatever you want to do you know and he's like oh well should we stay and I was like, yeah, let's stay for a little bit, man. Let's see what they got to say, you know? And so we we took a, like, pew in the back. And the stupid, uh, the kneeling bar was down in the pew. And so when I went into there, I fucking tripped. <laughs> oh, I've done that before. <laughs> That's the worst. I fucking tripped over it. I was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, in the church, you know, well, all the lights are going down and they're, like, getting ready for shit. And I was like, oh, man, I, I fucking kicked it up, you know, made a big they noise. That, they do that to test your profanity. Yeah, I to swear. See, to see if you'll blaspheme in the church. <laughs> it's, it's a test. Yeah. And so so I put it up and we stayed there and we got through like three or four stations. And then Roman was like, well, dude, let's get out of here. And I was like, all right, because, you know, we're just cruising around San Francisco. We didn't want to stay for an hour or two or whatever however long they are go through so, all the stations so we went through like the first three or four stations and then got out of there but yeah so, so then got, we started yeah so go ahead sorry well i just gotta say your, your whole story is incredibly magical <laughs> in ways that uh i just i want to put it forward before i forget yeah yeah so we are in a liminal space right now we're at the spring equinox uh-huh so we're literally 12 hours, 12 hours. We're in the in-between realm. And, you, and you're telling me that uh, you guys came into the church and, you know, touched base with the lady at the front, made sure everything's cool. But then you guys kind of kept one foot in the door and one foot out of the door the whole time. That you're like, not in the group. You're just kind of on your own thing. And, uh, and homie is like, oh, let's leave. And you're like, you hesitate. So he's like, oh, maybe we'll stay. Yeah. So you you guys are embodying liminal space in yeah. a major way. This whole story that you're telling me. Yeah. And then and then the fact that you stick it out for maybe three of the stations, and then you decide to dip after that. It's like incredibly magical that you guys are chilling in all that liminal space. Sounds like a real a real uh, mystical engagement. Yeah, it was, man. And then after we got out of the church, we we're like. What's going on? 
Roman was just like, I think he's like, uh, why do you think fire stations were started? You think there's something sinister, something, you know, behind that? And then so I looked up like fires and like fire stations, whereas the first fire station that was in Scotland was the Whoa. first fire station. And then they started putting them in other places after that. So then that goes into like Scottish Freemasonry and, and Masonry, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and then right. the whole town of San Francisco is all Masonic. There's a Mason Street. <laughs> <laughs> There's like the whole masonry surrounds all of san francisco yeah I mean, and so you can see the symbology everywhere and the names and everything so one of the things to me was like why build a whole city with all these stupid fucking hills <laughs> like if you're gonna make a city don't you want something like somewhat flat or like flatten out a top part make a hill flatten out another part but no everything's just willy-nilly on fucking hills it's it's so weird because like the hill will go up but the buildings are like yes the same they just start to go underground you know right. they're like it's right. very weird looking yes, doesn't make man. a lot of sense and then there's trolley uh cables going all over the place and i was just kind of thinking to myself like why what would be the purpose what is the Masonic idea of creating this type of city? Like, what is the benefit of it? You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. They, like harnessing energy up or you something. Got it. Yep. Yep. Mystical toponymy. Yeah. They're, they're definitely har harnessing subtle energies. There's definitely some like really great views when you get to some of these peak hills, you can mm -hmm. see out over the whole city, mm -hmm. you know, and like, uh, they're like weird, crazy angles when you go up, you drive up, and then like you're almost at the like precipice of the hill, and then all of a sudden you're like down the next hill, and you're like, "What the fuck it's It's kind of scary because you can't see on the other side and uh but like, yeah, it's just so weird to drive up all these hills and everything yeah and and so I was just there's got to be some other reason for that though there's got to be yeah. You know, uh, so uh, I do, uh, I have this thing I call the territories map. Yeah. And I did a breakdown uh, with homie Romy uh, for, for you guys to show uh, a couple weeks back. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so on that map, which by the way, this map is uh, utterly just uploaded into my brain. And, but I'm quite sure somewhere in the archives of the Masonic orders, there are probably books and books and books that are way more advanced with, with what I think I'm seeing here uh -huh. because it's definitely a thing. Um, so you guys are on the 37th parallel in San Francisco. Is that the and 37th? 37th. Makes and sense. Cause LA, I believe is the 33rd. Cause that's where Disneyland is. You got it. Dips down just a couple down. Yeah. Yeah. So you're on the 37th parallel and without going too off the rails, the 37th parallel is uh, utterly magical, completely significant on a global level. It, um, it's the Mason-Dixon line, for one. So that's a good foundation to give it like much uh, spiritual significance. 
Okay. It's that it is the liminal space. Yeah. Uh, and it, on my map, you guys are literally like the Golden Gate Bridge is the crossing point of the spring equinox. Oh. So if the United States was a calendar, a zodiac calendar, you guys are in the location where we are in the year right now. Huh. And uh, Homer, he posted a video uh, I saw of him crossing the, the Golden Gate Bridge. And it took me uh, maybe an hour. I watched it and I'm like, oh, that's cute, you know. But then it was an hour <laughs> later. I was like, wait a second. He's on the Golden Gate Bridge right now at the spring equinox crossing over the 37th degree. Yeah, parallel. yeah. It is so meaningful. And he's doing it on the full moon. I mean, it it couldn't be more for. Was it a full moon? This uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday. We just, yep, we just crossed through a full oh, moon. Wow. So you guys really were at the hot spot of if the United States were a calendar, you guys were right on the money, uh, yeah. time and space. Um, Interesting. So, so the thirty-seven degree parallel. It also. It is the liminal space in a very magical way because it cuts across and it goes right through the Strait of Gibraltar. And the, the Strait of Gibraltar is the gateway into the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, that's on the 37th? That's it's interesting. It's on the 37th. So it is uh, such a supercharged uh, liminal location on the globe. Mm. And there's a, there's a lot more to it. Um, uh, I'll just say this because this is pretty. This is pretty juicy stuff. Thirty um, seventh parallel cuts through Kentucky, and Kentucky yeah. is uh, you know where the uh, Penny Royal Research Hopkinsville. You got it, man. And there is so much going on. I mean, for those who have the eyes to see, anybody who just mentions Kentucky. Lights should be turning on and bells and whistles yeah. should be going off yeah. in their mind. Here's here's another thing. Uh we can get into this. Uh mm-hmm. well, for one, my son lives uh in Kentucky. His mom took him out to Kentucky during uh the whole COVID situation. And I'm uh, I'm trying to move out to Tennessee now. Oh, cool. Uh so I can be closer to him. Uh but I wanted to take him to those mammoth caves that were there. And that was before I, I really realized what they were. Uh, because this happened a couple of years ago uh, that he had to go out there. And uh, I mean, I kind of already knew I had an inkling, but uh, uh, I learned more about it since then. But uh, so, so the whole Kentucky thing is, and so, yeah. And then Tennessee and the Titans, when, when we went out there, I, I took them, uh, I took the fam to go see the the Parthenon in Tennessee I was like, my one request while we're there is like, I don't care what you guys want to do. This is the one thing I want to do. And we're just going to go through that. And it was uh, pretty magical too. Uh, but uh, Kentucky. Uh, so I, I have my ear out now, kind of, you know, for Kentucky and Tennessee in that area because of, you know, being out there and my son living there. Yes. So a lot of, a lot of times when Kentucky comes up, I'll perk my ears up. And the other day, I was listening to uh, a podcast about King Arthur because oh, I've been wanting to like kind of dissect King Arthur a little bit more, right? Because yeah. R, it's R Thor, A R Thor is uh, if you look at the two letters A and R in like an Arctic and mm-hmm. uh, Aryan and all these other different 
words with AR in it. It's AR and then Thor. So R Thor. And I'm yes. like, oh, there's got to be something to that, you know? And so interestingly, this podcast, this guy was going a little bit off off the rails of like the normal like King Arthur stuff. And he was said that uh, King Arthur is actually a representation of Jesus. And uh, and he was actually out here in America and he was in Kentucky in a place called uh, Frankfort. It was the Frankfort kentucky and that was like a, another fort of france uh that was here in america and he was down there and he died here and he got shot in the foot and it reminded me of like achilles and troy right oh wow yeah, yeah. wow it's like it's almost like that whole same story but mm-hmm. it taking place in kentucky in like uh, around 500 and something a.d Damn. Yeah. And I was like, I got to look more into this. This is yeah. really interesting because then that brings into that Frankfurt area of mm-hmm. Kentucky. And uh, another, just another interesting thing about Kentucky, it's like there's some type of draw there, or maybe they were able to go through the subterranean and they popped up in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, because of the, the mammoth caves there, they're able to yeah. go through and end up there. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I just had a revelation. It kind of struck me last night and all morning this morning, I'm trying to put words to it. And you, and you just keep saying the magical words. So I, have, <laughs> I have to reveal what my mind is doing right now. Yeah, do it. The word fort. The word fort is, uh, for one, it, uh, F and O are both sixes in gematria. Okay. And so you get a six, six with F-O. And then you put the R-T and you're talking about a ritual. Mm. But you also are, are saying root 66. Oh. And the history wow. and the energy around root 66 is like kind of blowing my mind because it taps into the penny royal in oh, a major wow. way. And so all of the forts uh, are kind of pointing to this ritualistic value of the number 66. And now I'm going to go way off the deep end on everybody. And I apologize for anybody who's not ready for this. But uh, uh, Sir Francis Bacon wrote the book, uh, The New Atlantis. Yeah. In every every chapter of that book. Um, starts off with OF. And I've been digging this morning. I'm trying to find that book. I'm so afraid I I lost it. Uh, But I could probably pull it up on the internet. But every chapter is uh, of Um, righteousness, of spirituality. They all start out with 66 still. It's just backwards, but it's still 66. It all starts with the 66. The whole entire book is filled with 66. Does Route 66 connect to all the different forts across America, though? You got it, man. It does? The mystical value of Route 66 is blowing my freaking mind. And it's all coming to me in the past 12 hours. So I'm like... This is fresh on my mind. It's not a fully developed idea, but so, I am realizing that all the forts 
are part of a RT, a ritual, a rite, the Scottish rite. Yeah, right. Yeah, ritual. The rite yeah. of 66. It's all a big ritual uh, tying into Sir Francis Bacon and the New Atlantis and this ritual of the 66. Huh. And uh, so, and this is something else. While I'm, while I'm just ranting and trying to make sense of all this. Yeah, keep it going. Uh, they converted uh, the United, the Constitution for the United States of America to Constitution of the United States of America. Sixty-six. It went through a ritual. <laughs> yeah, it went through the rites of passage and it matured into the United, the Constitution of. Oh, and I, I don't, think, I don't know that it matured very much. Right. Well, it was, <laughs> they, they, the, they struck. They, they struck when the the iron was hot. And, true um, for them, not for us. True, true. And I think they dropped America off the end. Didn't they turn it into the the Constitution of the United States, period? Oh, I'm not sure about that. And I think that it indicates they took us off the land and uh, put us and they put us into Admiralty Maritime. And uh, so uh that would make sense. But, yeah, man. There's so much going on. In this, in what I just got to say this to anybody who's new to me or my material or my <laughs> my incredibly your brain uh, my, my mystical uh, perspective on the world. Um, I know a lot of people freak out at the slightest little sign of the Illuminati or the slightest little synchronicity. You know, somebody's making the okay sign and people trip. Um, that is, yeah, that's beginner stuff. I'm telling you, that is beginner stuff. Our entire lifestyle is saturated with mystical expressions, and it is very rewarding to kind of delve in and analyze what is already here right in front of you, right under our noses. Our behavior and our our lifestyle is completely saturated with very magical things. It, It can be as simple as realizing that every time you say of, (laughs) <laughs> you are uh, putting out that six by six, which is a, a six by six magical square is the square of the sun. That's the magical square of the sun. Is is that re- really? Yes. And so this is That's where interesting. It, yeah. And I love to, I love to put this forward too. that uh, like, you know, William Shakespeare in the globe theater he had a real thing with um, uh, alliteration. He would love to do like, you know, double R's. Uh, I can't even think of a good example now <laughs> that I need to. Um, but anytime you're doing alliteration, you know, like a W by W, World War. That's mm-hmm. a good example. World War. That catches on. It's, it's, it's catchy. And it'll be mm-hmm. handed down for, gen- it'll survive for generations. Well, W by W is... Um, a five by five magical square mm. of Mars. Mm. And that is very powerful because Mars is the God of war. And so every time we said oh, world war one, world war two, that WW was giving homage to, yeah. to Aries. To well, the what about WWW? I know that's Not. a cube. <laughs> or, right. That goes to the cube. So it goes oh. three dimensional. Okay. Yeah. Which I don't know what that means. 
<laughs> I, you know, I, I was tripping to find out. Saturnian that it, cube. Yeah. Yep. It goes Saturnian. It's three-dimensional. So the magical square of Saturn is a three-by-three three magical square. Saturn so, is is the the ruler, like Kronos. He's the ruler of time, right? So he controls. Mm-hmm. He's controlling time or information or, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, if you want to keep people in ages or whatnot, use the internet. <laughs> yeah. Keep them in, stuck into that paradigm, you know, because we already know we can't trust everything that you read on the internet yet. You know, we were like, oh, we have like a super information system, but it's like, what information can you trust? Because your biases can produce whatever outcome you want. Right. That's so true. Yeah. You can find information to support anything that you want to believe everywhere. Yep. Yep. There's fuel for everybody's fire on there. It's hard to remain unbiased. We try to. That's why we try to do deep dives on uh, rising from the ashes and try to hit it from different angles to see what we can pull out that's similar, you know, and and try to figure it out everything because there's so many different ideas everywhere it's hard to like it's harder to even say that you're wrong or other people are wrong because you know they they were able to get to that information somehow so you have to wonder how much of the information is not even accurate you know yeah we we have no idea what's real and what's not Mm -hmm. twilight language is what's interesting to me because it kind of it's that bridge between the two, the two worlds. So when you can start to like kind of put that stuff together through that, yeah, you can start to make a little bit more sense of it. And if it doesn't connect, then you're like, oh, well, maybe that doesn't really have anything to do with anything there. Then, you know? yeah, man, yeah, you know, uh, just this morning I was having this thought. <laughs> just this morning, you're hitting the chord. You're hitting the chord. I uh, I realized a good way to express some of my journey into the territories is to just articulate uh, how uh, the word, a single word just drew me in with layers and layers of meaning and, and potential uh, through its twilight application. Mm-hmm. And that is the word Kentucky. Yeah. I just kept, coming back and you know you just meditate on a single word and it can be a gateway for realizations upon realizations and that is kind of what started me on a much larger journey to make sense out of uh what is now a large body of work ancestors uh, of the spirit right is that what it means what uh well i'm gonna write that down is that (laughs) what you've heard that's just what i made up in my head right now Oh, that's sweet, man. Because uh, that is kin, like kin, like your family. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, tuck or two. Talk to. Two, yep. Kin yep. to. Key. Key would be your spirit, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, so the kin to spirit would be your ancestral spirits come from there, which they have a big giant cave. So it makes sense that there's some type of connection to ancestors there you got it man you're plus you dialed in 
plus all the uh weird happenings around there with hopkinsville uh the the gremlins and the paranormal activity surrounding the area Dude, uh, I, I would I say it. that that's a pretty good uh yes. representation of kenta e Ken, kentucky kentucky yeah man i i was having this realization well before i realized there's so much uh with the hellier and the uh, yeah Penny Royal in the Fortean Phenomenon. I did not know about that. It was just the word Kentucky haunting me for like an entire day. So I started writing out notes and, you know, little uh, translations. And I realized it's not either or. It's both and. You know, that all of these interpretations, like what you just said, is like another layer that I didn't quite hear. But it is. it's, It's telling you there is something going on here. And, uh, the, key. Yes. And the key. Yes. And Aki means right here. In Spanish, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it also is a key to unlock gateways. Yeah. To like Portals. Your curiosity into yeah. what the heck is going on in that magical spot. Just like Turkey, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tor- so that, it's Taurus key. Yes. Yes. The key to the earth. Yeah. The, the Terra. You know, ter- terra incognito, the the hidden land beyond. Yes, yeah, fascinating. Uh, go into like some of the territory stuff and and how you kind of lay that down on the map because I I think that gets into Kentucky and stuff a little bit too, huh? And then maybe we can just try to build off this a little bit more. Right on, right on. Yeah. So, uh, it's just amazing how much funnels into that location. Um. So what I did, uh, so my my journey started with realizing that the 22 major arcana cards of the tarot, yeah. uh, they correspond with the master builder number. And 22. that's kind of, yep, you got okay. it. And, and that's kind of uh, initiate level. Pattern. How many cards are in the tarot? Well, there are 22 in the major and 56 in the minor. Until oh. the grand total comes to 78 cards total. Oh, really? Yep. Because I, I remember doing research on, uh, this is interesting because uh, when I first got my PlayStation 3, uh-huh. long, long time ago, right? I had to create a name for it, my my handle name. And uh, I was super into Egyptian mythology and, and Thoth. And um, I heard that he's the one that created the tarot deck. And and playing cards, uh, and playing cards came from the tarot. And I was super into poker, and I'm playing poker a lot. And so uh, I made my handle the god god of fifty two. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And so my yeah, so it, that related to the fact that I was like good at poker. You know, I thought or delusions uh-huh. of grandeur, really, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not pro. I'm sitting here talking to you, not playing cards. But, <laughs> That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Fifty-two came up on the weaving spiders last last Saturday, a couple yes. nights ago. So God, well, there's fifty-two cards in a in a deck of cards. Uh, fifty-two mm-hmm. weeks in a year, thirteen, uh, four, four got seasons it. of thirteen. You got so, it. So I've done a lot with like the card deck, and I know a lot of. Mm-hmm. I understand a lot of that, and uh, and both. They they. There's like a story of uh, 
him playing a game with somebody for uh souls or something like that or yeah or or he had to play it against satan i think and then he won and was able to get the cards or something like that i'm, I'm not i don't recall exactly how the story goes yeah yeah but it's it's really interesting story yeah and uh and so that was my connection to to the 52 and to tarot uh, yeah. So, but I didn't know that there was 70, how much, 76, 74, uh, 78 total. And 78, so th- yeah. this will help you remember. So seven is G. Okay. G is number seven. And you put an eight on the backside of a G and you're looking at the gates. Gate. G8 is the okay. gates. Interesting. And, and now you're initiated. You're in the club. It's official. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well it's it's yeah 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 i'll let you talk because that's interesting well uh one thing that comes to mind is that during the civil war on that front on that battlefront that fighting for that 37th degree parallel which technically the civil war was fought in the south because it was the north coming in infiltrating into the south so it was probably a little further south maybe along the 33rd you could say uh but uh, so much of that bloodshed, uh, so I once heard somebody who was a virtuoso of Civil War history, um, they were describing this the typical death scene of a soldier in the field. And they said that they would often purge their pockets of all their worldly belongings. They didn't want to have any filthy lucre on them. And they definitely didn't want to go to heaven with a pocket full of playing cards. And so they're, they're, they would spend their last moment of energy throwing the playing cards as far away from them as possible to clean their karmic debt. That's so interesting. And so in many, uh, so it paints an amazing picture of a, you know, a soldier in the field and playing cards flitting around him on the wind, you know, in his death throes. And so uh, that entire landscape would be riddled with blood and bodies and playing cards. Interesting. <laughs> and that supercharges the uh, the tulpa or the egregore of the card deck of the in a major way for, for generations <laughs> to come. Yeah, man. So 52 pickup takes on a whole new meaning. Oh, wow. Yeah. No wonder that was a game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it was spread all across that that latitude. That particular latitude was supercharged with it. And so, uh, you know, Highway 66 played a major role um, in the uh, Civil War. Uh, I have it written down somewhere. The guy who, let me see, I think it's right here. Uh. Let's see. It, it was called the Camel Highway, huh. uh, which uh, kind we don't of, have camels. <laughs> the, well, we have camel cigarettes, though. Oh, okay. And so, tobacco camel, line, huh? Yeah, so camel cigarettes are running through that tobacco fields of the South. Ah. Uh. Uh, kind of charges the mysticism of the camel, and in Hebrew, camel is number three. Gemel means camel. Uh, so that's a very, you know, Masonic number, uh, but it's supercharged as an egregore for uh, collecting everybody's uh, 
affection or desire for it. Like people, yeah. I crave a camel. You got a camel? Give me a camel. So the number three, the Masonic number three is getting all this. You could call it louche. You could yeah. call it admiration. Uh, people are addicted to camels, you know. Uh, so it does. It kind of funnels all this uh, psychic energy over the years. And people had no idea. They thought it was just a damn cigarette. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Here it is. Here it is. 18, uh, 1857. So I guess it was a little probably uh, just a little bit after the Civil War there. But uh, Lieutenant Edward Bill, Edward Bill and the U.S. Camel Corps. Uh, they started Highway 66 when it was just a dirt road. Huh. For the Silk Road. Uh, for the, uh, when it was a, a dirt road. Yeah, for, but it was for trading, yeah, or something. Yeah, or for, I guess the Silk Road of America, yeah. Yeah, the American yeah. Silk Road. Because mm-hmm. what parallels it on? I uh, I looked at it on a map. I think it's a, it's south. It's probably along the thirty third. It okay. wiggles a lot. It, it uh, has a. It's not very straight at all. It almost seems intentionally indirect. Huh. Yeah. It's like uh, it doesn't seem to have a straight section anywhere along the route. So it definitely seems intentionally snake or serpentine like. Ah, uh, serpentine. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, get into like you said. You had mentioned uh, gate uh, G eight, the gate. Why yes. would the tarot cards be a gateway? Uh, well, because well, uh, that's a great question. That's a ger eight question. Um, well, I heard you say before that yeah. it connects to uh, the tarot cards are basically like uh, the the constellations brought down from the sky and put into the cards. So yes. that's how you're able to tell fates because the fates that are in the stars are now directly correspond into the cards. Yeah, yeah you got it, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so all of the 12 stations of the Zodiac, uh, they all have a, a relationship to the 22 cards of the major arcana. And um, one of my favorite pictures is, uh, I think it's called the fortune teller. And it's an image of a, a gypsy, uh, you know, the Romas, the roaming people. Uh, and it's an image of them on this beautiful landscape. And I think it's like just turning fall, uh, by judging by the colors. And the, the the gypsy ladies, the matronesses, are huddled around a, a small uh, square of tarot cards on the ground. And you can't make out the cards at all. It's kind of far away. But they have a wagon, their gypsy wagon behind them. And one thing really stood out to me uh, artistically is that on the skyline, you could see birds flying over these ladies' heads. And the birds were very clearly going in the direction that the ladies were looking at the cards on the ground. And that's when I realized the tarot cards should be oriented uh, in relationship to the four directions, to the four cardinal directions. Mm-hmm. And so north is up, south is down, east is, you know, and west. 
So then I started thinking, okay, so if I put the zodiac in relation to the four cardinal directions, what comes out? What, you know, inspires from Mm -hmm. there? And so this is my gateway of initiation is just lining up the four gates of north, south, east, and west. Ah. And seeing what revelations start to come to me. Mm. And uh, very quickly, I realized if I use this United States map, there is a very natural center location where your attention should naturally draw into this center point. And it's right at the uh, what I call the yod, which is the Y shape, the yod. Mm-hmm. of the Mississippi, uh, right there at the base of Illinois, where it really branches very heavily, that divergent mm-hmm. point. And so uh, a beautiful thing about that realization for me is that, um, for one, I know that Yod means hand in Hebrew, and uh, the hidden hand is a very well-known uh symbol in uh in esoterica you know you got napoleon hiding that hand under his shirt and all those Mm -hmm. masons and all those secret societies with the hidden hand under their shirt um so uh a lot of revelations started to come together there so i realized that my what i should do is put my zodiac on the yod of the mississippi and and just let the information come to me from there and sure enough, not only do most of the sports teams and the mascots of the states line up with the Zodiac, but they also really line up with the tarot cards wow. and how the tarot cards uh, have a placement across the United States. Chicago Bull. Chicago Bulls. Bullseye, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Bullseye. And the Rams, the Rams used to be in Missouri. I found that out. I, I, I actually, I intuited that and I put it in one of my videos. I was like, if somebody out there, cause I'm not into sports, not very much. Yeah. I said, if somebody out there knows if the Rams came from some other location, because having them in LA is just 10 degrees off of where I want them. And <laughs> sure enough, one of my people, they commented back and they were like, yeah, man, they started in, uh, in Missouri. In, yeah. Uh, St. Louis. Right. Yep. Spot what a- on. Yeah, in the arch. What is yeah. uh what are some of the other ones that are in uh that area though? Like Tennessee would be Titans. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know what, what Zodiac is the Titan. Well, uh Tennessee is a tricky one. It lines up, I believe, um with uh Sagittarius. Um but also a little bit of Scorpio as well, because um, it is broad. It's like kind of it kind of bridges. So it's Ophiuchus, and it's got Ophiuchus. Bingo! Yeah, you got a good eye. You got a good eye for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so Ophiuchus, his his first day, that his little heel is being pierced on the tail of the scorpion. That day that that initiates the Ophiuchus constellation is the day that JFK was killed, November 22nd. Mm. And that is right there is a gateway of initiation for a lot of people to realize that uh, JFK was killed on the uh, the little, the beginning point of, I think uh, Ophiuchus gets like five degrees 
Yeah. He only, he only has, he has the smallest segment, the smallest, smallest pie wedge of the Zodiac, but that's yeah. a very significant date. Uh, what are, yeah, what are some of the other uh, zodiacal signs in relations to, mm-hmm. to is it just to football? Is it to baseball or hockey and everything? Or uh, 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 It also goes into uh, state seals. Uh, okay. You know, I'll pull okay. up. Yeah, because Chicago is like the Bears also, so that wouldn't really fit in, or would it? Well, it it does fit. It's funny. Uh, so the we'll, go, we'll do Chicago. Because there's really... Bulls and Bears. Right, I can riff on that for sure. So yeah. in the um, in the zodiac, that would be falling in the northern, uh, definitely up north. You know, um, let's see. And in the Egyptian Dendera calendar, there is uh, in that location there is a a bull. Uh, oh. it's all, it might even, I think it's actually a hippopotamus. Who is handing over a um, a bull's leg, a, a severed bull's leg, hmm. as an like an offering, and she's yeah. got a she's got a knife in her hand. Um, so uh, all of that is centered around the North Star, uh, Polaris, Ursa, major. Ursa, and Ursa is the bear star. Yeah, and there's the big bear, and then there's the Ursa little minor, bear. little bear. So, so the Ursa, bear and the cub. You got the Bears, Chicago Bears, yeah. and the Chicago Cubs. Interesting. You got it, man. Yep. Holy, and, handing over a bull leg. It, had, have you ever gone down the the that path with uh, the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan and the number twenty three? And uh, dude, yeah, so he jumped. <laughs> he go. Yeah, I, I actually uh, last year I was on an airplane and I watched one of their old games against the Knicks. And, yeah. I, and with a whole new set of eyes, I'm looking at all this numerology just in front of everybody's eyes. They're just flashing all this numerology. Like, for example, what did Jordan change his number from 23 to 45? I think 55. Or what, what I think it was 40. No, 40? no, he didn't. I don't remember what he changed it to. Actually. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because I think Kobe Bryant it, did that. So guess what that was 45? I think so, because it's 22 master builder number. Oh, okay. The difference in between. Yeah. You know, that's after he went to baseball, then came back. He came back as 45, right? Right. Right. And then then Kobe Bryant did the same. He was eight. And then he came back as 24. Okay. Interesting. Because he was one. He said he was one better than Jordan. (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny that is so funny you know so kobe you know he had a name and i don't i don't claim to know if these guys actually die or if they're that's 86 it. that's 86 he got 86 too he got 86 yeah <laughs> good call so his name is um on a list of um sacrificial names you know cabra a cabra is a goat, the sacrificial animal. And to have the name Kobe Bryant. And is he was just, the goat. And he was the greatest of all time. Yeah. And then we had uh, very soon in the that same year, uh, Chad Aaron Bozeman, Chadwick Aaron Bozeman, who was the Black Panther of the Avengers. His initials are C-A-B. He was a cabra. 
And so he, uh, you know, in my assessment, was a sacrificial goat. And I tend to think that means they didn't really die. And, that, mm. you know, the whole damn thing was orchestrated from the from the jump. Yeah. That, that they were, you know, uh, we were kind of uh, charging up their name with our admiration over the years. I want, I want to be a little, uh, uh, play a little skeptic here for you or, or devil's right. advocate here. Right on. And, and in the sense that, do you, because sometimes I kind of like think that maybe it's not really people doing these things. Uh-huh. It's more so played out in the stars and we're just uh, synced up to the stars so much that we're just doing the things without even really noticing yeah, that we're doing them. You know what I mean? I'm glad you said that. Cause I don't, I don't, I, I, ref, I kind of, ref, I turn a blind eye to that possibility too often, too often. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I prefer to think that there's some mundane <laughs> group of people orchestrating it all, but you are so right. And if you are right, that means nobody should name their children, anything even remotely similar to a Cappy or a oh. Cabra, or a Kobe. If you're right, man, that means that there are some names you should never name your child or anybody yeah. that you want to live I, a long, healthy life. I think that with names, too, you ever notice people with certain names have certain jobs and you're like, oh, that's kind of is like already done for you, dude. You're going to do that at some point, you know, yeah. you ha- <laughs> you're destined to be that person. Yes, there's two words for that. And I love these two words. Uh, Nominal determinism. Ah. Nominal determinism is like your name is going to determine your fate. Yeah, yeah. And then the other uh, fun word for that is uh, an aptonym. Hmm. An aptonym and nominal determinism is a whole field of research to get into because uh, it it boggles my mind. And I, I'm glad you mentioned, I'm glad you brought the devil's advocate in because there, it might just be legitimate, you know, mystical value to our words. I was talking to uh, Phoenix Aurelius mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with Andy Rouse from the Deep Share. We did a podcast together with him, and uh, he does a lot of the alchemy and stuff, and and zodiac and everything. And I and I asked him about it, you know, and he said that that the constellations and the the vibrations of those energies. Mm-hmm. directly play a correspondence in relation to us here on this planet so we're almost acting out what's going on in the stars without even really noticing that we're doing it yeah man and so when people talk about the horoscope and your personality coming from that it it really is something that's happening subconsciously and we don't even really understand we're like the the pawns of the zodiac just yeah. being played out in their game here on this planet that is such a good way to see it because oftentimes the zodiac is represented as the gods or the planetary bodies are definitely represented as the gods and what they do you know is playing out here yeah as if they're their controllers when in reality it's just the planetary energies that are creating these different vibrations and i love it you know so I love it. The the more <laughs> I the more I become affluent with the constellations, 
the more I can see the, the paradigms that we deal with in our life are, so yeah, I, I could almost make a case that it's star speak. Yeah, that we, yeah. That we are speaking, you know, the angelese. English is angelese. And we are bringing these heavenly ideas down into mundane context. Yeah, you got you got to think of it like a uh, like jump rope. You know, uh, they're spinning the rope around like this. Yeah, and you got to find that right time to to jump in between them. And I think that's kind of like when people talk about them using magic and shit. I think that's what they're doing. They're they're using the momentum of the stars to try to catapult whatever intentions they have are. Nice. And and so they're trying to jump into that nature pattern and use it to like kind of ride the wave, so to speak, you know, yeah. that's kind of what I think they're doing. Not necessarily that they're controlling it, uh-huh. but their intentions are, are put into the natural path and they're able to more effectively accomplish whatever they are seeking out to do. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. I like that. One of the definitions of, uh, magic is the harnessing of natural elements in concordance to your will. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so it's a, that's a good thing to think about, you know, it almost makes you want to stop using profanity. <laughs> it's like, got to be more careful with where you Lots makes so, me want to stop using a lot of words, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I, when I, I, a while back, I decided I was going to write down all these different God names, the mm-hmm. names of gods mm-hmm. in different uh, places, you know? So Ra was one of them, right? Yeah. So then I, I try to find as many words as I could find with Ra in the word or at the beginning of the word or the end of the word, middle of the word. And there is hundreds, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds, hundreds. And then, and then you get done with the Ra's and you got to think about the Re's. Yes. Well, the, it's the same. It's the same. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The yeah. list goes on and on. Because anything, Ra, Re, Rai, Ray, the, it's the same. It's all the same. And then so I did the same thing with like Lu. And that's mm-hmm. how I figured out that Lucifer connects to the moon. And, nice. and so then I started to put together like, the lucifer lucifer is the moon and not necessarily venus venus is the consort to lucifer the moon Mm. it's always hanging around the moon Mm. and venus and lucifer are uh in the mythology are also said to be married to each other they're they're yes uh, they're venus is his consort yes that makes sense because uh venus has phases Mm-hmm. Just like the moon, yeah. So to say that they're in cahoots, that they're coordinating, yeah. is literal. It is very literal. Yeah. Oftentimes, though, people will just uh, associate uh, Venus, though, to the moon, and she has that association. But she's like, she's not really the. She's the consort to it. She's not the moon. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Also, the moon has a, a representation numerically of of nine, I believe. Uh, you are correct. The nine by nine magical square of the moon. Yeah, and so nine is like right before completion or right before perfection, right? Which Lucifer, mm-hmm. right? 
he's right before perfection and he wants to become what perfection right perfection he, yep he wants to become a, the son right there was a flaw found within him yes so he, he is and so interestingly enough you have him in uh Ra in uh you have the maha raja in uh nice. in, in india yeah and then as you get to egypt now all of a sudden ra is the sun god oh right yeah so the he was Ra. the moon and he the became Ra. the sun so mm-hmm. now that's like that's the overtaking of of lucifer becoming god right right yeah, yeah so the moon becomes the new god so he's supposed to be the moon but now he's the new god and he's the sun and the moon <laughs> and that is uh you know the one of the old i think it's mesopotamian words for moon is sin yes it is yeah yes so and the sinai right yeah and yeah. uh 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 solomon solomon is soul and moon Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know what? So Solomon's temple is the sun and moon temple. You got it, man. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's no joke. Like uh, so many powerful characters through the history we're told have incorporated that into their name in a major way. And one of my favorites is Akhenaten. Ach- Aken, the 18th tarot card Ach- is the Ach- moon Ach- card. And the 19th tarot card is the sun card. And so Completion. Aachen Natan yeah. is 1819. And right there in his name is Boom. moon and sun. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Because yes. if you break down his name, the Aachen, it's a life of the sun. Ankh is life and Aachen is the sun disc. Nice. So yeah, Aachen yeah. is life mm-hmm. of sun. The, yes, or the sun gives me life, or however right. you want to interpret right. it. In uh, so uh, the eighteen nineteen was kind of haunting me for a while, of like uh, just realizing that it's sun and moon. Uh, but then I got into Elsie King's work. Yeah, uh, and Elsie King, he kind of really hit it home with his uh, lunar standstill, uh, and pointing out that it's an eighteen point six. Uh, year cycle between lunar standstills. And so if 18 is the moon pillar and 19 is the sun pillar, well, what Elsie King with the lunar standstill is pointing out is the third pillar, the hidden pillar in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. I was, I was like, maybe they haven't found Solomon's temple because Yake or uh, what is it? Boaz and Joachim and Boaz. Joachim and Boaz is actually the sun and the moon, and the heaven is in the sky. And uh, because you have to have the two pillars to connect the heavens to earth, and so maybe the sun and the moon are the two pillars, and it's connecting the heavens together. And and really, the the Solomon's temple is not on this land. It's uh, in the heavenly body. Yeah. Yeah. It's even uh, in the minds of man. You know, it's like yeah. you know, the, the temple is the mind. and The temple. Yeah. The temple. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And the pineal gland uh-huh. is your, your connection to, 
spirit. It yep. secretes the fucking pineal gland secretes DMT. In DMT, you have religious experiences. <laughs> so I've heard when you smoke it. So because I haven't, I haven't done that. But uh, but it's super interesting. Yeah, I could. That, you remember when we were having this conversation before we started? We we're talking about aliens a little bit and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And I kind of and and people. Uh, Andy Rouse does this really great thing called the Witness, where he talks about aliens. Uh, near-death experiences, uh, uh, psychedelics, all in the same sense, like they're all connected in the same way because people are having all the same visions, right? So it is, is the alien phenomena something that's going on more so in your head? Are people like just secreting DMT in certain time times and having these hallucinations or is there something more physical going on? And so I always kind of wonder about that, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and the use of psychedelic drugs in ancient times, even the fairy people, right? The fae people, they, they were called that because they would, ha- they would sit in fairy rings, which is where mushrooms grew. And you even had these uh, ideas of these fanatics and battle that would take a bunch of mushrooms and just go out there and fucking slay dragons. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you have all this interesting stuff, and then soma, and then the, the drinking of uh, tea and or or blood or or uh, you know the bread of Christ and all these different things. They're almost mm-hmm. initiations of taking some type of drug. You have the Santa Claus story that's connected to mushrooms. Oh, you got and it, all man. this stuff, and and yeah. so. You kind of have to wonder: Are they just having mass hallucinations? Yeah, and that's that's how all this stuff came about, man. Yeah. So, so and, and a- by doing that, you're connecting into the consciousness of nature. Yeah. So you're working within that consciousness, right? And then you're bringing forth those things into the physical realm, right? You are leaving the matrix. Yeah, it's almost like a, a like a different type of zodiac, right? You're because you're instead of pulling it from the sky, you're pulling it from the earth. Hmm. Hmm. That's cool. That's a good read. Yeah, man. Because uh, oh, that is interesting. the The realm of forms is informed by the heavens, uh, but there's like a a subterranean realm. That is interesting. I love that. So the two pills, you know, like when Morpheus hands them the red or the blue pill, yeah. that age-old trope now. Yeah. Those those pills are pillars. Pill pillars. Yeah. And the pillar, the pillars are mushrooms. There's ah. the, the blue mushroom grows under the cow poop, and yeah. the red mushroom grows up in the mountains under the pine trees. Yeah, and Super what, Mario Brothers, man. Yeah, buddy. And what in <laughs> what mystical creature is notorious for chilling out on the mushrooms, smoking the hookah, is a caterpillar. Caterpillar. So all of these pillars cat and pillar. pills. Yes. Yeah. What's the yes. cat? What's the cat? The below, right? The catacomb. You got it. The catacombs. The, uh, so the cats always guard the gates. The word gato is the word gates, you know? So, so, so yeah. So then like, uh, 
that stuff would be like the subterranean realm, right? Yes. I wonder yeah. if there's like a zodiac to the subterranean realm. Uh, that is such you're yeah you you the more you uh, you say that the more I think it's probably like, the the reverse or the reflection of whatever's in the sky though. Uh huh. An inversion. Yeah, it's inverted. Yeah, like a. Oh, it makes me. Oh, maybe uh, even uh, Japanese zodiac. They're totally different animals. Yeah. It's got a a dragon. It's got a rat. You know, the horse and the snake. They're totally. They're more land land dwellers, right? Yes, and if you think about it, when we look into the Earth, if if it's as round as they say it is, yeah, yeah, then we would be looking at China. Yeah. <laughs> down below us yeah but it's, i like it i like where you're going with that so that reminds me of a realization i had once huh. i took the word tarot card and i wrote it in reverse that's and why then, everything they do over there is evil to us over here right yeah yeah yep. it's Inver- the reverse it's inversion. the inversion yeah yeah man so the word tarot card in reverse is drac to rat and I just pondered that for, for a while, and I said, let me pull up the Chinese Zodiac. And when I pulled up the Chinese Zodiac, uh, the dragon is in Aries. That's initiation. That's the beginning. And it goes around nine stations, a nine-month birth cycle, and it stops smack dab on the rat, Capricorn. So Aries is the drac, Capricorn is the rat. And that uh, has that nine months and leaving three months behind. Yeah. And there's that 93 that a lot of magical societies get a big heart on for their 93s. Oh, they dude. got a big, yeah, they got a big thing for the 93. And I'm pretty sure it's because it's a birth. That's the birth. Birth cycle. Cycle. And the remaining three, uh, the remaining three months would be, um, uh, uh, let's see, would be Pisces, uh, Aquarius, and Capricorn. Could that connect to Arctic, too, of being nine months of winter and three months of summer? Oh, it could. Very well. Yeah, nice. Nice correspondence. Yeah, it could with their seasons. Their seasonal yeah, because, because they can only uh, harvest Ooh. for three months of the year because the rest of the time oh. is too cold dude there is a there is a lot of there there i love that you said that so the remaining three months or those the three month uh if you go from drac to rat the remaining three are a c a and a p capricorn aquarius pisces that's a sacrificial cabra a sacrificial goat the season it's the three months in the underworld but they also correspond with the three gifts of the wise men. So the one wise men brought uh, frankincense, um, frankincense myrrh, myrrh, and gold. So Capricorn is an earth element. There's your gold. Aquarius is an air element. There's your frankincense. And Pisces is uh, myrrh, is the, the ocean, the water. And now you've got uh, gold is land. Uh, frankincense is air and uh, myrrh is water. Well, that's a L-A-W. Land, that's air, water. Law. That's the law. They brought the elements of the, the law. law. Of nature. 
as an as an offering to meet the Christ to complete wow. the cycle. And so uh, all of that is highly mystical, highly valuable, uh, and it's all deeply encoded and has been in other texts as well. Mm. Um, but then another aspect of that is if anybody ever has taken the time, I recommend uh, looking into Santos Bonacci. You know that yeah, fellow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. He is he is uh, on his own level. At this point, he's like way on his own level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, some of his early work. He's, he's, uh, gone really over, informed, he's gone off the edge now. He's kind of gone off the edge. Yep. But um, his early work has informed me in a beautiful way. So I will always appreciate him for you know, bringing me into the this perspective. But he would say that those three months, where, wherever your birth, birth chart lands, when you were birthed out of your mama, the next three months, those are the stone that the builder refused. That is the section of the pie wedge that you are now on your own. You're struggling and you're in this world. And so every year when you come around to your birthday, you're going to have this, oh, fuck, I got to do, I got to make do with what I got. You know, I'm out here in the world. And so those three months have cell salt correspondences. And mm-hmm. there are uh, 12 cell salts and they all correspond with a different section of the Zodiac. And so you, it's on you to put yourself in your Zodiac and find out what the next three months of your struggle are going to be. And you may find out that the cell salts of the next three months correspond with what you already naturally craved. You know, like for me, it was shrimp. I got to, I just love shrimp. I gotta so you're telling shrimp. me these, that is also in charge of our food cravings. It also informs your, that's your, super weird. I've actually been craving a uh, uh, salty meats lately, like pastrami yeah. and uh, roast beef, mustard, uh-huh. uh, that type of stuff that's kind of been like what I've been going for lately. Yes. So that's the stone. Stone is the minerals that the builder refused. Your mama oh. sent you out on your own and now you got to go get that salty meat that you crave. Oh, man. Uh, but a really good way to inform that knowledge is to get into the 12 cell salts and see what section of the pie uh, you need to fulfill. How do uh, I do to, that? To build your own temple. Uh, just look up cell salts or Schuster salts, and then uh, just uh, you can map it out on the Zodiac, and then uh, you got your recipe for building your temple for the rest of your life. Wow. And there are foods Crazy. that correspond with it, too, you know? So is there and, certain foods that are going to be better for you at certain types of year, too? So should our diet include the Zodiac wheel in it also? Theoretically, yes. That's and Crazy. And these little, these are subtle energies, right? These are subtle, subtle details to life. But these are the reasons why you relate to other people born at the same time of year as you. Hmm. You guys have a similar fingerprint. You guys, your snowflake is is uh, self-similar. Uh, yeah, fract- yeah, yeah. Fractally comparable. Yeah, we probably have the same three first numbers in our social security number. <laughs> <laughs> great point great point <laughs> i love that <laughs> you know yeah man yeah you know that that lends into something i could riff on first just a quick second <laughs> have you ever heard of the enneagram the what the enneagram enneagram 
Yeah. No. E N N E A G R A M. The Enneagram is a um, it's a very valuable research, and it like when I got into it, you know, I came at it like everybody else does, like, oh, this is a self help system, and you know, uh, and it is. It's you find your number one through nine on this graphic, and that it becomes your personality. Uh, tendency it's almost like a zodiac but but different a little bit different and it has a relationship to the stations around it and that relationship is uh plotted out in this really intricate kind of looks like a diamond uh the mm-hmm. way it bounces around the circle of numbers one through nine yeah and what it does is it can actually determine if you have a decision or a stressor in your life it can determine that you would be less likely to choose the left-hand path and more likely to go towards the right-hand path Hmm. to make the right decision. And in fact, people who, and so that number on the left is the number that you avoid, or it's like your shadow self and you don't want, you don't want to associate with in the number to your right hand on the path of this little chart is where you kind of aspire to, or you look up to people with that number. Hmm. And so the whole, all of the personalities of the world have this kind of dance where we're like weaving in and out of each other's personality matrix to kind of move forward in the right direction. Interestingly, I've never had like, uh, I never looked up to people or like maybe real people, but not, like celebrities i never wanted to be like michael jordan or never wanted to be like what this actor or this person i didn't really have posters on my wall of of these people or anything like that i always uh never had any idols i guess yeah that's a good way to be man and you know um i I relate i relate to that uh Um, you said it's called enneagram though en n-e-o-g-r-a-m that's like enki's new measure or enki's new weight enki's new language or yeah gauge gram 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 is like a weight of measurement or Mm -hmm. uh uh, something used to measure so enki's new measurements or yes and if you get it i mean people spend their whole life uh in that work and it has a lot of beneficial application Hmm. And that's the only way I was looking at it for a long time. But then one day it, I, it occurred to me, wait a second. If I was the diabolical cabal trying to one ring to rule them all, <laughs> wouldn't I suss out everybody's Enneagram score behind their back? Hmm. And then w- wouldn't I use it to my benefit to predict their decision-making in an algorithm to feed them only the the videos I want them to watch? and you know, steer them away from the things I don't want them to watch to steer their consciousness. And then I found out once I started looking at it, like with a nefarious application, then I find out a vast majority of the world is one number personality. And I'm I'm not putting really, I do not want to incriminate or make anybody feel like there's a bias or this is all their fault. But it turns out those fucking number sixes 
<laughs> there is like more than 50% of the world is a, is a number six on the Enneagram. It's a human number. Yeah. The number and it's, of the beast. Yeah. And they're called, <laughs> they're called the loyalists. Ah, uh, the NPCs of the world. You nailed it. Bada boom. Sixes. You nailed I, it. I'm like a triple four. <laughs> you just learned about this. How do you know? <laughs> my name, my name. When I add my name up, and, oh, okay. uh, Gematria, it equals four. My my oh, full name. Nice. Uh, when I add my birthday up, it equals four. And when I uh, the person whatever the personality testing is, I did the thing uh-huh. uh, online or whatever. My personality thing equals a four. Also, oh, that's cool. Uh, so so I'm four four four. I'm going to look you up right here. Let's see. see <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what it means. I just know. Oh, dude. Before. Yeah, you're right. You're correct. You're an individualist. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. to- totally tracks. I love yeah, it. That's I'm totally, awesome. Uh, I love that you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I relate. I think I relate. I actually, I can't place myself on here. I like every time I like, try to assess myself i end up just being like oh yeah oh yeah but then it turns out that's a a feature of the number nines Mm. the the number nines have a tendency to be like relate to all of them uh so i'm starting to think i'm a nine but maybe ask me again tomorrow i'll have a different (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's just a theory i I wanted yeah go ahead it's just a theory I have is that our Enneagram score is part of our social credit score behind oh, our own interesting. backs. Interesting. I wanted to play devil's advocate again in the fact that, uh, you know, people think like these people, these elites or controllers are ruling everything with magic and everything. But if you, if you really look at like presidents and dictators and whatever else, emperors and all these other people, they all went to some type of oracle or uh, magician or something to figure out these things. They never did it themselves. They always had somebody by their side that was whispering in their ear about these types of things. Mm. So to me, it seems more to come from these mystics whispering in their ear more so than it does from just them. Because even in like Game of Thrones, you can see like, there's that guy who knows all the stars and everything and the outcomes. And he's whispering and playing the game with these people. They're not necessarily uh, figuring it out on their own. You know, I think sometimes we give way too much credit to these elite people. Uh, I think most of the time they're just doing things for money and for profit. And and that makes them evil in that sense. Yeah. But I don't, I I think there's other people whispering in their ear behind the scenes, telling them what things they need, what moves they need to make. They're, they're the ones being played chess with. Yeah. So that's such a good point that uh, there can't be so many of them that we would even recognize the true shamans amongst them. You know, whatever their mediator is, we'll never be able to identify, you know? And, and that does, that kind of leads into that idea of like, so there are factions, like we were saying, the Scientologists and the Mormons. Yeah. They've got some kind of beef there, you know. 
but who like you know who's the grand poobah of the mormons you know who's wearing that breastplate of the ephod on the mormon side because i bet the dude on the scientologist side is dressed the same damn way yeah going up on the top of the mountain at the same damn nights looking at the same damn stars and they're all tapping into something up there and, and then trying to zap each other <laughs> with their minions. Yeah, even when you look into medieval stuff, right? The the kings had like a, a Merlin or a magician or some type of person to help them. Uh, even in uh, uh, Greece, they had the Oracle of Delphi that was telling them what to do. Yeah. Uh, because they were the ones that were able to tap into this cyclical nature cycle and know the outcomes of events uh, because of that, because they're the ones doing drugs and everything and tripping out (laughs) and and being able to see the future. Getting high on their own supply. Yeah. Don't get high (laughs) on your own supply. (laughs) Part of the 10, 10 crack commandments right there, man. That was the 11th. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I, ah, man. Yeah. Through like kind of learning about the, the box saga, it's really like flipped everything over for me and, uh, realized that what people portray as evil is really not the evil. It's the good. And then the good is the evil. And it's really hard to walk in that middle path when everything's so fucking flipped upside down and confusing yeah, man. because it's so hard to say like, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Cause I've been told not to do that for so long, but then at the same time, that seems like the right way, you know? And I think instinctually we kind of have that idea and we know that, but we're always battling demons because we've been told the opposite for so long. Yeah, and yeah. so we're battling our own intuition, our own self, and that's yeah. why we need to kill our egos. Because once yeah. we kill our egos, we can get on that spiritual journey. Yeah, man, that's well said. Yeah, unfortunately, I still have somewhat have my ego, so <laughs> I've been told we, that I'm we, egotistical. Nice. We we uh, coined a term last week. Uh, I think it was in the flow state with the spiders. We were talking about uh, maybe it's not so much ego death. We can just call it ego uh, resurrection. Yeah. You know, that's uh, kind of what it is, though. Yeah, you know, right. A lot of times, too, in, in the biblical narrative, it's the first son that dies and the second son. And when we we're talking to David Matheson about this, it's kind of like you're your physical self is dying and you're going into your spiritual self and your spiritual self becomes the ruler. And that's kind of like maybe what these different myths are talking about is that first self dying. It can't become the king. Your, 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 your spiritual self has to become the king. Yeah. You make better decisions. That is so on point. I I was thinking about this this morning. You keep it's like you read well, my mind. Why are you thinking about all these things in the morning, man? <laughs> my first day back on coffee, I'm going a million miles an hour. So yeah, it, yeah. All my well, this is why I wanted to talk to you because I I know you see all this stuff and I see all this stuff too. So I was like, 
I want to just talk to him one on one because I think we could nice. have a really fun, good conversation. Yeah, and this uh, is uncover story. some stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this morning, I'm thinking, why? And when I was young, I just always said, you know, 81 years, that's good. Yeah, I don't, I don't need 82. Live you know, fast, 80, die young, leave a beautiful 81 corpse. Years, <laughs> yep, I'm good at 81. And so then I'm like, okay, so. Let's just say that my words had power then. And so I've set yeah. my fate in stone. You and so I let's just imagine yeah. that there's that's about the finish line. And if that's true, then right when the shutdowns happened was my midlife crisis. <laughs> and yeah. all and all of this bullshit is my coming to Jesus moment in my little, you know. So so you're about 40 or what? I'm at 44 now. Okay. Yeah. So two years ago, three years ago was when uh, my come to Jesus moment, the midlife crisis was happening. (laughs) And it just really makes crazy sense when I think about that. Uh, But I have this theory that you may, you may appreciate Dan. Yeah. yeah. uh, um, I believe that our higher self, our daemon, our spiritual other half, I believe that it ages in reverse. And this is why it can see our future. Yeah. And so while we're moving this direction through time, our higher self is coming towards us in the opposite direction from that, from the other gate. We Hmm. came in from this gate. Yeah. yeah. And so as we get nearer and nearer to each other, it is at the middle of your life when you are coming to Jesus. When the mid, the cross the crossroads, I'd say more of a circle. Then uh, you start together and separate, uh-huh. and then come back around. Because as a child, right. you have more self awareness, oh, nice. more spiritual self awareness yeah. as a child, and you kind of lose that as you get older. And then uh-huh. as you get start to get really older, you start to want to go back to that and start seeing shit and get dementia right. and all that yeah. shit. So you start to have that. <laughs> spiritual uh, self comes back so it's maybe you you split you're splitting from it and then trying to come back to it i love that yeah so it would be almost like uh you go around the clock from one to two and they start at yeah at 12 they go counter and you go clockwise right yeah and then it's down at the six when you have that midlife crisis but what is really neat about that idea is that once you've crossed uh, the middle and you're going in, you know, going to meet again at the top, you become the elder and your other half becomes the youthful one. Yeah. And they, uh, and then you become the guy, you have the burden, you're carrying the cross. You have all the responsibility of calling the shots. And as you get closer and closer to the gate, your higher self becomes more uh, juvenile uh, you know, more childlike and a little more ornery, a little more rowdy. You know, you know what? I have a, a this is kind of off topic, but still on topic is, mm-hmm. is a, I have a Mandela effect, I think, that people don't talk about. And that is, I always thought Jesus died at 35. Mm. Forever and ever and ever, I always thought he died at 35 because my dad died when he was 35. And I remember telling people like, yeah, he died when Jesus died at 35. 
And I always, always thought it was 35. And then it wasn't until later that I found out that it was 33. And I was like, wait a second, what? He died at 33. I thought he died at 35. Like forever. I always mm-hmm. thought that. And you I know, couldn't. There, there's, there's a case to be made for your, for your perspective. Cause I'm thinking maybe his story got that Christ goes off the radar at the age of three and is missing for 33 years. But maybe it's huh. just three, maybe it's just three years or 30. So he was three years old and then he's gone for 30. Yeah. And comes back. But you're right. There's uh there's some there's some some grounds to like give or take a couple years. Yeah, I always thought it was 35 though. And I always uh uh-huh. and so it was weird when I found out like the association with the number 33 and how that was associated with Christ. We talked yeah. to Marty Leeds yesterday, and so right. he was talking about the number 33 and how that's you know 33 vertebrae in your spine and Christ consciousness and and then uh, Jesus is just a representation of that and everything. And and uh, I remember having that thought in my head, like, it's so weird to me. Like, maybe that was a Mandela effect that I that I had or something, because totally thought it was 35. But it is interesting, because something, something in my memory is kind of similar. It's like, yeah, that he disappeared for 30 but then he doesn't just come back and die. He comes back and lives for a couple of years. Yeah. And then he dies. Yeah. You know, so the, the math is kind of nebulous. Uh, I think there's grounds to still hold your uh, your old reality timeline okay. firmly cool. on the earth. Because you're, <laughs> you're kind of right. He, uh, he, he doesn't just disappear as a baby. He lives for a couple of years in the story. Then he goes off for 30, allegedly. And yeah. comes back, and so yeah, there's some wiggle room. <laughs> huh. Yeah, it, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure what that means. I just thought maybe you know maybe there's maybe there's something to it, or maybe there's like you know, I I I don't know, man. Like I feel like maybe he would have more of a representation of the number eight, considering God is ten, Lucifer is nine, then the return of the king would be. Uh, one lesser number because of uh, you know like Mesopotamian values, they start at six and they go to five and then four and then three and then those are represented by how many horns are on their head or whatnot. Um, uh, so that's why if you see my logo, the Danunaki Dan logo, it's a Sumerian god uh, of Enki, but with like a, a Viking beard <laughs> and. and uh, and I, I chose that purposely uh, for Danunaki, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so they had. It was always like a, the great leader was a six and represented by sixty, and then the next oh, one was yeah. a five and represented by fifty, and fifty is a lot of like uh, you know uh, symbology with that. Then the next one down would be a four, which would be uh, the Jesus because he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the, or, or wait, that was Moses. Moses, somebody was in there for 40 days and 40 nights. I think it was Moses in the desert. Um, so then you have that, that number associated with Moses, the four, the five. Nice. And then the in between the consort, the consort of 60 wasn't 65, it was 55. She is represented by 50 because she was one step below him but one step 
are half step above the next God below that. Nice. So in my association, I would associate if we're starting at 10 with this scale and nine being Lucifer, then eight would have to deal with uh, the next coming. And, and to me, in my interpretation, I think Yahweh is the same as Marduk and they were around uh, the same period of time. They're both gods in different places. So uh, I associate them to be possibly the same thing. That's interesting. Yeah, that kind of, that, I see some resonation there. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to point out Vikings is VI is a six. Yeah. Oh, so, that's actually uh, in Saga, they talk about the V as not really being, uh, the V is a representation of a split. Just like where you talk about the Yad, right? And the Y. Oh, right. It's yes. A, it's a splitting. And it was a splitting of two kings uh dan and zvin so it mm. didn't really have to do with six kings necessarily but a, a splitting of these different kings into different lands and areas kind of like an exodus but they split up and went to different places yeah nice yeah, yeah. uh there uh, one of my favorite little theories is that there were two exoduses there's the hyksos and then there was the hyksodos Oh, Hyksodos. Hyksodos. The second Exodus. So what's the first Exodus? The first Exodus has a bunch of names I can't even pronounce. Um, but I can give people some cliff notes to look it up. It, uh, um, there, there was a Moses-like figure, but his name was not Moses. It was some really convoluted PH. It's got like two PHs. It's a really weird name. It's almost like Ophiuchus. Phosphorus. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he is, um, if you look up uh, Exodus of the 80,000 lepers, hmm. he was uh, uh, leading out of the Pharaoh's dominion. He was leading 80,000 what they called lepers. Yeah. And this is really an interesting line of research, and it goes to, to some wild places, but they called them lepers allegedly because of their dietary practices, made them uh, uh, unwanted, the unclean. Hmm. And it, they fell from grace. They fell out of their status because they were eating some of the forbidden uh, food, like um, essentially goats or, or lamb. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, in this, this is pre, this is the original Exodus. So we're in the ancient days of Egypt. I think we're in California, hmm. and I think the original first exodus happened going from California, heading east across the United States, and this was when California was an island, and the Red Sea that they needed to part was, in fact, um, all of that landscape all through Utah and uh, Nevada on their way heading east. All of that is today, it's dried up because of like 50 some dams are holding back the water that should be uh, keeping California as, a, as an island. Oh, yeah. And those, those, and those dams are ancient. And even the people who work the dams, you know, the lineage goes back further than they can explain. Yeah. And so some of those dams are very, very old. And it's funny that the Mormons 
are holding the keystone to keep the dam in place, to keep the story obfuscated from the collective. Uh, because I believe the Mormons are kind of the originators of this idea uh, in its most prolific form. But they uh, they hold a, a, a stake in the idea that uh, America is the ancient Egypt from the Old Testament, from those old, old events. Yeah, what I would say is that the probably the first Exodus, uh, I always think of Bob Marley when I hear Exodus, you know. I was just listening to it. Movement days, of the people. The people. <laughs> and, uh, and I think maybe the first Exodus was after Atlantis. Everybody started scattering all over the place because some lands were inhabitable, uninhabitable at that time. And so they're looking for dry lands to grow and produce food and everything. I think that's also maybe a time period when the water level was high enough that they were just sailing to these different tips of mountains mm -hmm. and setting up shop on tops of mountains. And that's why we see so many different high mountain uh, landscapes and everything is because when everything was flooded, they would just take the boat over to their set up shop there. Yeah. And as the waters receded, then they're up on top of the mountain. When we go back and look at it, we're like, how'd they get up here? Well, right. the water level was that high at one point. Yep. And, and so, then, yeah. Every, everybody's story at all of those mountaintops would have perfect, it would rhyme. They would all have almost the same story that would sound just like the Noah in the Ark story. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, well, dude, well, when you get in the Bog Saga and, and the Ark, the Arctic people, you uh -huh. see a lot of Ark everywhere, Ark of the Covenant, architecture, uh, Noah's Ark. And so to me, it's like, it, did he really build a ship and, you know, and call that the Ark? Or were all these people escaping from the Ark, from the Arctic Circle area? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that gets into a whole lot of different stuff. But uh, because I think in the Exodus, I think just people scattered from the atlantic east and west and went into africa to spain to into uh europe to samaria down down the black sea into turkey um and then and then to the west also and to america they they scattered that way too and into and they probably started going down america towards california at the same time, on the eastern side, you have people escaping from that area of uh, of the east into America because of the flood and everything going on. So they're going the opposite direction in into the coastal areas of California and uh, the Inuit area of Canada, and mm -hmm. because all of those racial backgrounds connect into that middle Eastern area and Siberia and whatnot. So they had to have come that way. Yeah. And so that's how I think uh, that the Indians came through here or through that passageway and into these different lands. Yeah. That, that leads us to another Bob Marley song, Buffalo soldier. Dreadlock Rastaman. Yeah, man. Yeah. In the lands of America, right? Isn't that what he says? Yeah, yeah. He also so. says he was stolen from Africa. 
Which, yeah, stolen uh, from Africa. Which is a big part of the story, but it's kind of, I think there's both going on, you know? I think there were plenty of black folks here living large. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, even with the Mormons, right? That's what they talk about, the the Levi, Levites. Right. Yeah. Uh, they were the ones that came here to start, like, the Mormon religion. Uh, I think, I'm not 100% on that, but I know Levi plays some part in uh, America, and the Levites were part of the Hebrews or the Jews, yeah. uh, the one of the three core tribes of the Israelites. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just recently reading a book, and it said the three core actual tribes that were Jews were actually Benjamin, Levi, and Judah. And the other tribes were just Israelites, but not necessarily Jews. So, right. right. And then in the Hebrew Israelites, they believe that Benjamin, Levi, and Judah were like the black nations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and they believe that they were here in America. I find everything that they say very interesting, and I, I love to yeah. research them. Uh, yeah. I, I know they're kind of angry and they hate everybody. But, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean that their information is wrong. They're getting their information for somewhere. They're making some type of connection. And why are they making that connection? Yeah. So I like to kind of uh, study study them a little bit. Yeah, I think yeah. I think they're kind of funny. They are hateful. They definitely hate me if I walked by. They would not like me at all. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> you know, but hey, what? A, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the one thing I'd like to hear their take on is because um, I'm I know there's a lot behind uh, the Olmecs. Yeah, the Olmecs. Yeah, the Olmecs are a big part of you know that missing. Uh, history and some of the the more i learn about the olmecs the more i'm like well damn this sounds a lot like what we've been told about the romans you know they had a whole lot of uh roman traditions uh Mm. that just kind of go they slide in very nicely together so yeah that's something i need to look more into is the you know the uh the traditions of the olmecs I watched this one video on uh, YouTube and it, uh, the guy that was making the video was uh, a, a bigger black, black guy when he had some like uh, braids. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of like a Marshawn Lynch looking guy. Mm-hmm. And, and he was going to this museum in Mexico because they actually had these Olmec heads Yes. in the museum and so he yes. was going to look at them because yeah. sometimes they talk about the olmec heads being like asiatic right yeah and then he was like look at he's like side by side he's like this motherfucker looks exactly <laughs> like me <laughs> he's like these aren't asiatic these are these are black and right. uh right. and so he was going into like kind of that history right Mm-hmm. And he ended up finding these uh, towns in Mexico that were predominantly black. Yeah. And and the stories there were like that they came over there in a, a previous time period. They, they came over there. There's these reliefs, uh, paintings on the wall of like yeah. this whole, it tells like a whole story of how they got here on a ship. I forget the name of the video. It was a really good video. 
uh-huh. and the dude went through the, like the museum there in Mexico or, and uh, in this area, they, they, I think they spoke even a different language and, uh, and stuff. And uh, there's all this, there was all this, uh, what do you call when you like put up a statue for somebody at memorials there's like memorials and uh on honorings of black people in this area of mexico which is kind of interesting right you know yeah yeah but and it's an older city and so i don't know it gives some credibility for sure that yeah you know like uh that maybe there was some ancient culture of uh of black people in in, in in Mexico, even though not necessarily just America, but also in the Yucatan in Mexico, uh, a Yucatan was supposedly a Atlantis type area. Right. And even the word Mexico has that old Mex. Yeah. Mex. Yeah. Old Mex. So so to say old Mexico. Yeah. You're you're literally like giving it to the roots. Yeah. Um, and another thing I'd like to point out the is the totems like, too, the totem poles is uh, yeah. another thing too. Yep. So so M E C is a very important sound. It you know it relates to all things that you yeah. make. Yep. Uh, you know, and it yep, and it, when you reverse it, it becomes Kim. So oh. Kim Kim Mech. Kem Mech. Well, you, yeah, you think if you're passing, if you're passing the the hemisphere line, right? Right. You're going, you're going to the flip, the opposite side of the world, right? Right. We're just talking about America and China. Now yeah. you're going from from Mexico to Egypt. It stops. It's still somewhat the opposite side, right? So right. you're going over that division line, and now you, everything is being reversed again, right? We're being very alchemical, alchemical. Yeah. About- yeah. The language. Yeah. Interesting. Those connections. Yeah. Mech. Yeah. Kim. And I like to think of, you know, uh, if you were to converge the um, the continents and you, if you were to tuck North Africa right into the Gulf of Mexico, real nice and snug, what would happen is uh, miraculously, the Mississippi and the Nile River would line up with one another. Would they? Yep, they are just right on that 30th parallel. Maybe they could, 30th. Fit in, they could fit in there together? I don't think they would fit. You'd have to really jam it. Okay. You'd have to really jam it. <laughs> You're taking some liberties. Yeah, yeah. But, they, but they are on the same parallel. And it's kind of beautiful that Mississippi runs north, and then the Nile also, I think, runs from south. Nile runs north. north. Yep. Yeah. So, so they both have that same directional flow. Um, but Mississippi it's just, runs to the south, though, into the Gulf. Okay, so they so they would be flowing into each other. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. It's the opposite, right? Right, right. <laughs> it's got to yeah. be the opposite, man. Yeah. Uh, there right. was a story, I think, one time of uh, the Mississippi changing direction for a certain amount of days or something like that. There's this. I, I recall hearing a story about how the Mississippi changed direction yeah. sometime during the 1800s because of the earthquakes or what whatnot. It's associated yeah. with Tartaria or whatnot. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, uh, I know if Snake Jones is listening, he's freaking out right now. He's got the book. He's got <laughs> the book on those events. 
Oh yeah. And, and it did, it's like, you know, the, the earthquake that changed history. And I don't know the dates exactly either, but you're right. Like all hell broke loose in like Chicago. It, it was like the 1850s Chicago. I know it has something to do with there. Yep. And the yeah. whole, that fault line, uh, like a falling of the fault line there. And then wasn't there like a couple of seasons without summer or a year yeah. without winter or something like that? Something like that, they say. We skipped yeah. some seasons, which makes me think, I wonder if they had to recalibrate the whole damn calendar. You know? Yeah. If we skipped a couple of seasons, uh, it's, it's just kind of a, a real mind mm. fuck to try to conceive of how we would get back on track or even try to convince people that history is a reliable linear experience after that, you know? Yeah. Everything's cyclical or, or a spiral or something like that. You know, nothing is linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause his, cause cycles repeat all the time. We have a moon cycle. Somebody needs to figure that shit out. Somebody needs to come up with a 19 year moon cycle. Yeah, LCK uh, is working it out. We need to figure out something with the moon cycle, the sun cycle, all the different cycles of the planets and put together some type of gearbox calendar Mm -hmm. that can represent that for us. Yeah. Then we could could figure out everything. I think that's kind of what the Antikythera uh, mechanism was. Nice, yes. You know what I mean? You know what that is? Yes. Antikytherian mechanism? Yeah, man, I watched a whole three-hour thing on that. <laughs> I know, I was, me, me I too, was, dude. Yeah, I was taking notes, <laughs> trying to figure it out. I was like, this is amazing. But it is very much uh, lines up with Elsie King's work. It does? You know? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's really digging in on the lunar cycles. And uh, one thing I love about his, he's just taking a fresh look at everything, you know, from the ground up. And uh, one thing he's challenging is the uh, the cosmic year. Yeah, the, prog- the progression of the uh, cosmic year, and he's like, it's just too perfect that one degree equals one person's lifetime, such that you have to lean on the paperwork and artifacts of the lifetimes before you, and then as you go further and further back through the lifetimes, things get really shoddy really quick. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's uh kind of challenging that paradigm in a neat way. Hmm. That's great. That's fantastic. Where, where, what part of the world do you live in? Uh, I'm in Indiana. Oh, you're in, in Indiana. You're right there. You're up in that zodiac action, dude. Yep, I'm in the, <laughs> under the chariot card in the sign of Cancer. The Pacers, Indiana Pacers. You got it. What else That's is it. in Indiana? That's it, huh? Uh, Basketball. The Indy 500. Indy 500. Yep. Pacers and racers. Pacers, racing. Yep, and then just north of me is Detroit. Motor pa, City. Pa and raw. Pa raw. Pacers nice. racers. Pa raw. And Michigan is in the shape of a paw. It is, huh? It's yeah. the pa, pa raw dice. <laughs> it's the pa raw dice. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was actually kind of one of my most recent uh, revelations in my territories is that Michigan is in the uh, sign of cancer where all and also the tarot card is the chariot card. And it just makes incredible sense. The Motor City, like everything we yeah. just listed, right? But then the other day I was thinking, holy shit, is the peninsula of Michigan 
are are crabs claw? Oh, instead of a mitten, instead of a mitten, it's a crab claw. It's the crab's claw. And I'm not sure, but I need to ask people. I mean, do they have, isn't crab like a real popular thing in Michigan? Cuisine wise? I'm not sure. I I know there's like really good seafood around the, you know, the Hudson Bay. and Is there? Up up in that area. They're really big Uh, on seafood. Are they salt? All are, are they? Yeah, they are salt lakes, huh? The Great Salt Lakes. No, oh, are they freshwater? I don't, can't remember, dude. I'm clueless too. We need, a, <laughs> we need an advisor. We need to call in a consultant on this one. But it would be really confirming to find out. Yeah, that they, that they have crab somewhere up there on that peninsula. That would be hmm. really wild. Interesting. Yeah, crab. I would like to kind of go through all of these with you and uh, do all the all the different stages of the zodiac in in the united states and see what we could find maybe we could just spend like a day on yeah or, oh an episode on one or two of them or three of them or something like that and yeah i uh, you know dig, dig I, a little deeper into the the similarities of things yes see what else we to. could find and come up with that'd be yes. fun man yeah the more people i bring in on it the more perspective i get more context yeah every station gets yeah. And so, yeah, it was really great, man. Uh, big love to homie Romy for sitting in there for three hours with me as we, <laughs> as we rifted through the stations. Uh, uh, yeah. It was really fun. And, you know, every time I present it, it gets a little more streamlined and I can really hit the heavy hitting bullet points and I don't have to sweat the details as I go. Uh, but it's got it's got legs. It's got a life of its own at this definitely point. Definitely has legs, man. There's there's something to that. There's definitely something to it. So I think you found the Yoda. Yeah, but Yoda. You're the Yoda, man. Yeah, man. The forts, <laughs> the forts are with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's solid right there. I love that. Uh yeah, uh, we're gonna wind it up right here. We've been going for uh two hours man so um tell the people where they can find you at your youtube where what other shows they can find you on your own show whatever else you got going on let them know yeah uh so slick dissident is my youtube channel and that's where you know most of my learning experience is expressed and shared um and then I am also a frequent uh participant of the interverse podcast with Chance Garten. Yeah, and he uh, he's on Rockfin. Got to get that Rockfin so you get the full experience because we do. We got all kinds of good stuff on the second hour. Generally speaking, I'm yeah. going to go on there tonight. I don't know when it'll be aired, but I'm going to do the territories. I'm going to give it another rip. Excellent. And, yeah, and uh, so it'll be it'll be released within a ne- the next week. What time and, is that at tonight? Uh, eight o'clock tonight. He and I'll lay it down. And I'm going to put a new spin on it. I'm coming at it from the exact opposite. I'm going to go from uh, from the outside, from the highest number, the world card, and I'm going to spin into the middle because it's turning out that you know that Kentucky X mark in the spot. I'm you know it's a uh, it's very rewarding to realize that there's a treasure at the end of that map, and it yeah. and it all leads into the Fordian phenomenon. In a major way, uh, so that's going to the leper, gonna... the leprechaun. Yeah, what, what are you saying about all the lepers? Exodus, Exodus, Exodus of lepers, leper. Yeah, 
There's uh, there is a, <laughs> that's a that's one I should actually do a series on. Um, the original Exodus of the eighty thousand lepers. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm on Interverse pretty regularly. The, leper, the leprosy, right? Leprosy. <laughs> there's more to see behind the story of leprosy. Yeah. Think about think about if you had artifacts that you didn't want people to infiltrate or steal or uh, uh, adulterize, mm-hmm. you would hide it in the leper colony. Leper and colony, the, leprechaun. You got it. And the, think of a leper colony. Uh, the idea of infiltrating or raiding a colony of lepers is as repulsive and repugnant to the old worldview as the idea of going in and inv- invading, you know, aliens from Sigourney Weaver's series. Yeah. If you slash an alien, the blood gets on you and you dissolve from the acid <laughs> blood. Well, a leper colony is full of people who are yeah. like acid. It's that repulsive to even think about infiltrating. So, yeah, there's there's a lot there. The old technology was protected by the lepers. But uh, the last, my last uh, point of contact hence, is... Uh, uh, hence the reward at the end of the rainbow, right? Right. There's a treasure the leper colony, hidden the behind treasure. the leper colonies. You got it, man. There's a lot to go on with that. So, yeah, my other channel, I'm on with the Weaving Spiders, uh, Saturdays into Sundays. And I always tell people, take a nap and pack your lunch. (laughs) Because we go long. We uh, start around 10 and we're live um, and we go on till Sunday mornings. And we're taking, you know, we take calls and comments. And uh, it's a a nice interactive opportunity for people to get a foot in the door. Yeah. Yeah, man. We'll have you on soon. Yeah, I should do. Yeah, Saturday night. Yep. Just yeah. Take, Plus, take I'm three. Night. I'm three hours behind you guys. So, okay, that yeah, ain't yeah. nothing for me. Yeah, man. You'll be on the <laughs> you'll be on the good end of that stick. Yep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Excellent, man. Cool. Well, thanks for talking to me, Day. Uh, today, Gabe, I appreciate it, man. Um, fun conversation, man. I, I really like getting into like the whole languages, things, and Twilight stuff, and it's really fun, man. Uh, yeah. You caught me on a good day. I've had a <laughs> lot of realizations. <laughs> good, man. Good, good. Nice. So thank you very much for joining us. And uh, remember, I'm the devil you need, not the devil you need to fear. I'm Dan Anaki Dan. This is Devil's Advocate. See you guys later.